When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. everybody to Wrestling Omakaze. It is episode number 47, I think. No, 57. <laughs> I should have checked that before I started recording, but uh, welcome everyone. And this week we're here to talk even more G1 Climax. Uh, I know everybody's favorite topic, especially Kevin Brown, big fan of the G1 as the only <laughs> the only topic for wrestling podcast, but <laughs> Like, that's really the only wrestling I've watched in the past week. I don't want to have much else to set, talk about. I did watch the King of DET first round. Skyler, did you watch that? I have not watched it yet. I'm, like, <laughs> three or four shows behind on DDT at the moment. Because yeah, G1 has just taken over everything. I know. That's what happens. But I, I like, preloaded a bunch of G1 shows. Or not G1. A bunch of the Beer Garden shows onto my laptop so I can watch them on my train down to DC this weekend for Otakon. So that'll be exciting. But yeah, Skyler is here, as I as I just revealed already, um, in case you just click on podcast without checking the title or the description. What's up, Skyler? Welcome back. Uh, hello. Hi. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing well, and uh, G1 has been grinding me to dust so far, because you, you asked me to do this when I was like five shows behind, so that wasn't fun. You could, have said, you could have said no. Well, I'm not a quitter. <laughs> I, I don't want to blow my shot. This is did you, yeah. Did you I'm, get like caught up in like a day or something? Uh, like over the span of like three days. 
I was, I, there were multiple situations in which I was on a long car ride and uh, my wife offered to drive so I could watch in the passenger seat on my phone. I have to say, this has to be the first ever podcast where two thirds of the podcast can say my wife and I can't. So there you go. <laughs> it's just going to be straight forward references. <laughs> yeah, it's just. Uh, you're going to be totally excluded. I won't say it again because I won't be able to not say in the voice. That's my only time. Yeah. <laughs> um, also joining us is Hannah, who's in the room with me. In Hi, the Hannah. room with you. I can, Hi. I can like wave at you and everything. I can Absolutely. look at you while I talk. It's awesome. Hi there. You can confirm that I'm, I own a Tai Chi shirt and I'm wearing it. Yep, it very much looks like a Tai Chi shirt. I <laughs> uh, just figured I'd wear a shirt in honor of the <laughs> of the fallen brethren, I guess. I've the only wrestling shirt that I've got is uh, just like a generic Lij one, and mm. what, uh, what the original like black and white or no, no, it's uh, black and red. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. I was wearing it a couple months ago, and this guy on a bike just zooms past me like lightning speed and he just shouts at me at the top of his lungs lij fuck yeah <laughs> i'm just like i appreciate the sentiment my friend but that was not very chunky of you. the the best thing i've ha- happened to me wearing an lij shirt is um a guy when i was in la for anime expo a you know a hispanic male he yelled the the word tranquilo in such a way that made it very obvious both myself Answered to you, Naito. I have no idea how to pronounce the word. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I own an embarrassing number of wrestling shirts. I'm not going to lie. Mostly at this point, New Japan, because, you know, they are on pro wrestling tees and I can buy them. But I have a bunch of these. I just bought that new black and red Damnation shirt, which I'm very happy about. Um, I got the Naito or the LIJ shirt that has the actual uh, Ingobernables logo, which is cool. This is shirt chat, yeah. and we're here to talk about the G1s we mentioned. But Hannah, how have you been doing? We haven't really gotten into anything. Like, he told us about his road trips. What have you been doing? Well, uh, not much, honestly, except for watching uh, the G1 Climax tournament. Yep. But uh, and I think this might make me sort of unique amongst the whole G1 milieu right now, is that I still maintain a level of sunny optimism about the whole thing, and I'm having a great time. Oh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, it's the high end stuff has been really, really good, and a lot of the bad stuff has been like funny bad. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like, like, I mean, I, I don't know. Would, would I rather watch Tomatonga and Bad Luck Folly, like, you know, make complete fools of themselves, or would I rather watch like a two and a half star uh SmackDown TV match? I don't know. I think I like the former better, but I, th- I think the discourse is probably more fun this year because I think. In recent years, it's basically just been like, well, this is the greatest tournament of all time. And <laughs> if you say otherwise, you're trolling. And I think this year, because it has been like somewhat uneven, has actually been more fun to like discuss and talk about what's good and what's bad. And, um, you know, like the booking and stuff. I think it's like a little more interesting, even if the match quality is probably like a little bit lower across the board. Yeah, I would agree with that. And um, it's been funny watching like the Kenny fans and the Nitro fans like, fight each other and put them up. I just, I can't mind for an audience of one. Yeah. <laughs> one person Believe me, I'm entertained. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's, it's been fun. And, you know, the, everybody's pissed at each other. It's pretty good. Um, but we're going to get into all the, all the matches from the last four shows. Talk about um, 
you know, what's coming up, you know, including the show tomorrow that some of you will have heard by the time you listen to most of this, but you know, I don't, we, we don't know what's going to happen. You listening to this at home will already know what, what's happened unless you're like, I guess, listening to this before you watch or something, but we will not know. So you can like look back at us and laugh and be like, of course, Kenny wasn't going to lose to Toriano, you fucking nerds. But it, right now, we can still have hope. Yeah, I am just going to yeah. go on record and right now and saying that Kenny is going to lose to Toriano. He absolutely is oh, going to lose to Toriano. He absolutely is going to lose All right, Toriano. fine. I'll commit to you. We'll go three <laughs> for three, or I'll go in. Asino Bikaze is an absolute uh, <laughs> Toriano is more powerful than Kenny Omega and K-Fate House. 100% approved Toriano. Yeah, no. For sure. Um, but yeah, so let's just get into the first show, I guess. We got 20 matches to talk about, so why not? Um, the first show was the B-Block show from Kagoshima. Do not know anything about Kagoshima. I'm not a big enough weave to know just random Japanese towns. But I can tell you, Tomohiro Ishii and Tamatanga was the first match, and Tamatanga got the win in 10:32 with a gun stun. Um, <laughs> okay. Anybody have any thoughts on this one? Uh, I remember it was real bad. Uh, I had multiple ref bumps, which is always a good formula for a great match. Um, (laughs) You know, I I think uh, there's going to be a lot of, I mean, with the Tomatonga matches and the Folly matches, uh, I think the problem with them not necessarily has been that they've been, like, using cheating tactics or even that there's been, like, interference or bs in like every single match it's that like it doesn't make any sense kayfabe wise and it doesn't make the matches watchable it's like i can understand if you're doing something that it makes the match worse but it makes the story better but i can't understand something that somehow makes both things worse (laughs) (laughs) like i don't know why what the thought process behind it was because it's not like the Bullet Club split story and like like needed tons of juice. I mean, the angle that they shot in the U.S. was really hot. And even though I think maybe some of the more hardcore fans weren't totally in love with like the Bullet Club angle because it's been dragging on for so long, I still think most for the most part, like you know, if you do just a straight up, you know, Kenny Tama feud, it'll be fine. I don't get why you have to do all this stuff too. Um, so speaking of this, making the story about the stat master, stat mistress, yes, uh, stat empress, she has a great stat on how stupid this tiny thing is. So take it away, Hana. Yeah, I was talking to John about this uh, the other day that um, one of the ways that you could make the storyline make some sense, and it's the way that the commentators are trying to make it make sense, is by saying, oh, they're not trying to win. They're not trying to score points. They just want to make a statement beat people down, kick some asses, establish dominance. Um, and okay, one way that you can measure that is what is people's match win percentage in the matches that they have after a Bullet Club match, a Bullet Club OG match? So you Wait, just do you wanna, got... Do you want to take a guess on this before she says it's got... <laughs> yeah, you've just gotten beaten down by three Tongans and you know your, your life's a mess and you've got another match to get to. And the, the what way is your you're, chance of winning that match? The way you're presenting it <laughs> makes me feel like you just had, like, you instantly squash anyone who comes. <laughs> um, I believe it's sixty nine percent. Oh actually. man! First nice. of all, nice. <laughs> yeah. 
Ryusuke Taguchi is in fact booking this tournament <laughs> secretly. So yes, getting be- beaten down by a mob of angry uh, giant Tongan men, including with weapons, uh, and you go on to win more than two thirds of the time. So great story. Yeah, I think uh, that the and, and realistically, like the the commentary for the Fale matches and the Tongan matches is going to be pretty similar throughout. But the one thing that's really uh, gotten me the most uh, upset about it is, A, like I said, the fact that they're not actually succeeding much, and B, the fact that uh, they really don't have many different ideas for how to manage the whole interference stuff. Like, there have been two interesting ones, as far as I'm concerned. That was the big clusterfuck when uh, it was Naito versus Tama, and all of LIJ and all of the BCOGs came out and just had a big schmoz. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. Um, and similarly, I uh, actually... And yeah. I, I actually liked um, Tamatanga versus Sonata as well, because that was just, he got like a very clever flash roll-up, and there wasn't a lot of time for, you know, the interference uh, to play out the same way that it usually does. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like, it's just the same story each time. And like everybody, when Jinder Bahal was, uh, you know, SmackDown champ, was giving him shit, rightly so, for not uh, having any variance in his storylines, for making his opponents just look like idiots, for having them fall to the same tactics over and over again. Yeah. But Jinder Bahal wasn't doing that 18 times televised <laughs> in a month. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of shit here. Uh, you know, first of all, even before the interference, I thought Tama Tonga was managing to have a boring match with. Homer issue A, which like is barely even possible, um, and then Tama like they did that ref bump off the power bomb, and like it was the same exact spot that Jay White did earlier in the tournament, mm. but here it looked like shit for some reason. I was like, could you just ask Jay White like how'd you do that and make it not look <laughs> shitty because it looked really bad? And then when Ishii was fighting off three men, and we just mentioned she just mentioned uh, the Lij run in, where the fuck was chaos? Like, why is Chaos not giving a shit that Tomohiro Ishii is getting beat up by three angry Tongans? Can't can't, Show and Yo run out or something? I don't, like, what the fuck? You can't look into, like, I've realized that all of the kayfabe, like, faction stuff, none of it makes any sense. It's just just a way to book stuff. Because if you really break it down, you're like, man, none of these people, all these people are snakes, first of all. They're not backing (laughs) anybody up. LIJ are the only true friends. Everybody else... Is like breaking up or teasing a breakup, or Okada is like telling Goto he's a punk. Like all the like, none of this stuff (laughs) makes any sense at all. I hate it so much. I have to say, for some positivity, um, while we were talking, Hannah like reached for my my Hiromu kitty here, and you know she's been very adorably cuddling with it. So I'm definitely gonna take a selfie with Daryl once the show's (laughs) over. I just call him Hiromu Kitty. Because Daryl, Daryl's a cool name. There's only one Daryl. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, so this match fucking sucks. I don't even remember what I gave it. I just said that was hideous. So I probably gave it like a half star or some shit. <laughs> um, the next match though was Juice Robinson and Sonata. Uh, Sonata got the win in twelve thirty six with the pulp. Oh no, Juice got the win in twelve thirty six with the pulp correction. That moved him to two and four and dropped Sonata three and three. Um, this was okay it didn't really get past like it barely got past just a match territory for me um 
like the there was a sequence of the floor where they did one of these like really contrived like look how many times you can counter each other oh my god uh, I have the exact same note <laughs> <laughs> almost a double count out sequence and you know the finishing sequence of juice finally hitting his punch and winning was pretty cool and that's the only thing that elevated it to like a two and three quarters for me it was just like a match yeah I think I liked it slightly more, but overall, same. There was like a very long uh, middle section that was just based on working rest holds. Uh, and then that upfront section that you were talking about with let's counter each other a million times out on the floor. I actually have a much higher tolerance for that, but it still just makes me think, and this is like a nice preview for what's later to come, <laughs> Sonata really has the sensibilities of a comedy wrestler, doesn't he? <laughs> yes, he does. Like yeah. He's this yeah. ripped, stoic, super athletic guy, but like when he actually elevates himself is when he wrestles really clever mm. and really cute. Yeah. Um, He's a and, cute wrestler in a lot of ways. Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And uh, that floor sequence was, like, kind of approaching that, but it was still, like, held back a little by these conventions of, like, we're having a serious tournament match. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. it's kind of stuck in between those poles. Yeah. What do you guys think of Juice Robinson in this tournament? Um, I have him weirdly low on my, like, I haven't, I haven't disliked him in my head, but, like, when I did that average star rating thing, he was second worst in the B-block for me. So, clearly, clearly he hasn't been one of my faves. I I think he struggles, and honestly, he struggles, he has struggled with, you know, this for me and his other matches. He does tend to have a lot of those, like, you know, almost exactly like you said, the just-a-match territory. Yeah. Because... You know, he, he is a baby face. He does elicit reactions from the crowd and even from me where I like feel like I'm rooting for him. But his offense is still sort of just one dimensional. And sometimes when, when you're in like a B block where the working standard is pretty high, it <laughs> I mean, and you're not having consistently great matches, it does, you do stick out a little bit. Here's what, I think he might be the only guy in the B block who would have been better off in the A block. I yeah, think it, uh, I, I think it would have been like exciting, and charismatic, and have these fun little undercard matches with like I don't know Makabe and Yoshihashi and stuff. Whereas in the B block, it's like, well, everybody else is kind of killing it except for uh, the champion, but <laughs> everybody, else, <laughs> everybody else is kind of killing it, and you know you're you're just kind of like there. It does hurt him. Yeah, yeah. I, I also I had a problem with this match because there's actually I. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time in the tournament where he takes off the cast. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, it's like, oh, well, he's going to get DQ'd if he uses it. And it's this, like, big dramatic moment in this match where he takes off the cast and then punches Sonata. And it, like, is part of the reason it, like, le- it, you know, plays in the finish and all this other stuff. And that was, like, probably my favorite part of the match because, like, oh, it's paying off this long-term story. And then, spoiler warning, in his very next match, he does, like, the same thing where he pulls off the cast again. It's like, so he put the cast back on? <laughs> like, was it not fully? <laughs> like, I just don't understand. <laughs> it's like long-term storytelling, Gator specialty. Yeah. It's just telling Juice in the back, you got like, to put it back on, fake the injury a little bit longer. Look, you might as well just tell Angle to have his straps down to start with a match. It doesn't work <laughs> out. <that. laughs> but, all right. So we don't seem to all have that many strong things on this match. Just, was there anything else you wanted to... Yeah, well, I, and I think that the, the one thing that I would note is, like you guys mentioned, Juice, not particularly, uh, you know, uh, exciting offense, 
He's a great babyface. Yeah. So the only two matches of his that I've really enjoyed are the ones where he's just pitted up against an absolute dick. Yeah. Uh, I loved his Naito match. Yes, Naito match. And then one of the ones coming up on the next B-Block day. Um, But other than that, like, G1, it does allow for these interesting, you know, face versus face, heel versus heel matchups. But, like, Juice does not really thrive in a face versus face. He needs to be fighting somebody utterly loathsome so that you can really uh, get behind him. Fighting J1 match is so good. For sure. Uh, all right, so the third match on the show, the third he won match anyway, was Naito defeating Toriano at 8.28 with a Destino. Uh, I moved him to 5-1, and one, dropped down to 1-5. and five. This was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love Naito. Like, first of all, he didn't even bother with the Yano clean break shit. Like, when Yano started, like, looking like he's in the after the clean break, he just, like, drops down out of the ring and, like, pulls him by his legs and pulls him to the floor. He's like, we're not doing this. Um... And then at one point, Naito, like, taped Yano to the barricade, and Yano, like, dragged the entire barricade. <laughs> and then y- Naito, like, got his hands on Yano's own DVD and used it on him as a weapon, which is awesome. Um, there was this amazing shot of Naito doing his lying down in the ring pose um, <laughs> while you just see Yano flailing around with, like, the entire barricade <laughs> on his arm. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Like, I'm really surprised that I haven't seen that gift that, you know, plastered all over the channel. Yeah, it showed me, actually. Um, and then I thought just after that, Naito was just in total control, like full cocky Naito mode. Um, Yano finally got some offense in using the exposed buckles. He hit his awesome belly to belly, the move of the entire G1. <laughs> belly to belly. Um, he de shirted red shoes, like just pulled shirt up and tried to use a low blow. But Naito countered with his own low blow. I love that that's a consistent thing with him. It's like, if you kick me in the dick, motherfucker, or try to, I will kick you in the dick back. And then he hit the Destino one two three, um, not a Matt Classic or anything, obviously. But mm-hmm. I went three and a quarter. I had a great time. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, thought pretty, this. Go ahead. Yeah, pretty much the same here. Um, it's very much like one of the more mellow matches for both of the participants. Uh, Yana has been having an amazing tournament. Yeah, and this felt like it was mostly a night off for both of them. But that's great. Um, and one other wonderful piece of Naito dickery that I wanted to note is. He entered first, mm-hmm. but he didn't start his extremely long take my uh, entrance <laughs> outfit off until after Yano was in the ring and, like, you know, yelling at him to start hurrying up. Yeah, and Yano was like, what is this chicanery? Yeah. I don't do chicanery. <laughs> fair play, fair play. Yeah, I think the, um, the the barricade spot is probably, like, the best comedy spot of the entire tournament. Maybe the Sonata, uh, Yano match has a has some really fun stuff but it's probably the most i ever laughed at a yana match in this tournament <laughs> i do miss somewhat like the early storyline of him be like oh i'm serious wrestler now because I love, that, I love that he dropped it though the moment he started losing because that makes yeah sense. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and the thing about yana matches is like they all there's sort of like a base level of good like there's very rarely yana match you're gonna watch it like makes you really really like groan because yeah. usually they are so like this match was not also not that long, like yeah, yeah they pretend to get in and get out and entertain you. Yep. So that was Naito Yano. Uh, move on now to the semi-main event. Kenny Omega defeated Zack Saber Jr. in fifteen fourteen with a crucifix hold. So this was the last match on the Kenny Omega has shitty matches and John, <laughs> pull, John pulls their hair out and reading everybody else's ratings tour. Um, I saw this get like four and three quarters, four and a half. 
I just like, what the fuck were you people watching? And I know everybody has different tastes. I'm not trying to insult any listeners for their taste. Um, if you love this match, I'm happy for you. But I really despise this match. Um, I thought it was actually the worst, uh, other than the Tama match, which was um, which was obviously worse. But like of, of these last three that I really hated, the Juice match, this and that match, and this one, I thought this was the worst of them. Um, but yeah. Uh, I mean, it was really just the Kenny faces. That was number one for me on here. <laughs> it was going to be Zach putting him in a lot of holds, which I knew that going in. And Kenny's fucking faces in these holds just made me want to like reach into my TV screen and just like slap the man in the face. Um, there was a great spot where Zach like countered that you can't escape shit that Kenny does every every, every match by like calmly putting him in a choke sleeper. That was like the baby face spot of the year. <laughs> but, like, but Zach then immediately got caught in it again and got hit with it because, of course, God forbid, if the people of Kagoshima did not get to see You Can't Escape, there would have been a riot. So I understand why Kenny had to go back to that spot. Um, and another moment I noticed was uh, Kenny, like, staggering over the ropes like this fucking overacting zombie and then immediately doing, like, a perfect plancha. And I was like, okay, so if you're going to stagger over the ropes like you're fucking drunk... <laughs> what is the point in then being like, well, now here's a great poncho, everybody. Uh, it was like a twisting poncho, too. So. Um, he was like holding his arm at one point and crying to himself after Zach put him in a, an arm bar. <laughs> it's like, yeah. He was working on the leg all match, but so he put him in one arm bar, and there was, just, there was just this long shot of Kenny like holding his arm, like practically crying. I was just like, okay. Um, you know, I don't know. The, just in general, the Kenny item so much pain I'm crying you guys' face was all over this one, and anyone would have rolled up. Uh, I gave this, I believe, two stars. <laughs> There's, nice. That was my rating for Kenny Omega and Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I I don't think I despise this quite as much as you, but um, you know, a lot a lot of Kenny Omega matches are basically like. Uh, at this point, they're sort of like Marvel movies where they have like a few times in the theater where you're like, oh, I'm going to clap because that was like a cool spot. It was like a cool moment. But when you like look back and think about like, did it make any sense? Rarely is the answer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hit and the acting is usually really bad, too. Oh, <laughs> so it's, you know, I, I found myself when I watched this live, I was like, oh, yeah, awesome spot and cool spot like in my nose. I just like recount like, oh, this was cool. This was cool. This was cool. And then even like the ending of him just like barely surviving. I'm like, oh, yeah, like in a vacuum, it sort of works. But just when you think about like, did anything add up? Like, was there any psychology in the sense like it doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't come together in like a cohesive way. And, you know, considering this match was, like, one of the biggest hyped-up, like, first-time matches. I know they wrestled one other time in Europe. Um, but this was, like, considered, like, a big first-time match. I didn't really get the idea of putting it on, you know, doing this, like, weird semi-main match that, like, wasn't that long and didn't feel, like, particularly epic or heated at all. It just, like, didn't click for me. Yeah, uh, for me, I think the one thing that's really missing from this match is an idea that Kenny treats this differently than he treats any of his other matches. Yeah. Because like, if we're thinking about it from a storyline perspective, you're Kenny Omega, 
you are this undefeated golden god in this tournament, <laughs> one of the most powerful wrestlers in the world, ring IQ through the roof. And you've got a foot injury, and you're up against a guy who is ruthless at exploiting limbs, submission master, very sadistic and all that. Um, and what do you do? And if you're Kenny Omega, apparently the answer is you get your shit in. <laughs> <laughs> People of Kamishima paid to see all of Kenny's shit. And that was something that was like consistently frustrating. And like at the very end, the finish was cool because it was like, okay, he can do something that's unexpected, something that he would never resort to otherwise and pull it out right there. I will say the finish brought this up like a half star. For, for sure, yeah. Um, but other than that, it was just Kenny will do his moves and about half that time they'll get countered by a fun, interesting counter and then that counter won't really amount to much because they'll just get a rope break in a couple seconds anyway. Um, and it never felt like it was adding up to something where he was really treating it uh, much differently than would anyone else, which is wild because <laughs> what does he do at his next tournament match against Ishii? Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I get my full money here for my Kenny hate because I can't hate him on the next match, but God, his fucking face is in this match. It's so <laughs> fucking bad. I feel like I just need to say it one more time because they were so horrific. Yeah. Like that shot of him holding his arm is really just going to stick with me for the rest of my life, I think. Just him fucking holding his arm and trying not to cry after he was put in one arm bar. But I'm repeating myself, but I feel like I have to repeat myself to stress how bad this was. Yeah. Um, he's regressed yeah. as champ like I would say in terms of the sense that he has not elevated himself at all which if you think about like most of the other at least recent champions even not even you know top title champions like even like I see even like juice with the US title I think a lot of people add like a certain level a certain depth to their personality like a different dimension to the way they put together matches and it's been sort of baffling to see can he like not really do that or just, you know, he basically is still just like an anime villain. <laughs> he's still like, just, he's like the epitome of like a get your shit in guy. I, yeah. I, you know, I think when you're coming off of like this ridiculous reign where Okada and you know, I, I had my issues with his reign just like anyone else. But yeah. um, at the end of the day, he felt like a champion. He felt different oh, than yeah. almost anyone else on the card. And the only other person that I feel like has that sort of edge where they feel like, oh man, this person is like an international star that like pops off the screen. Only other person I get that with in New Japan, beside in the heavyweight division at least, is really Naito. So just so you now, know, going back to that argument, <laughs> why is it, now, why isn't he have the belt? <laughs> now the now the uh, the why are Naito stand so salty like fucking crew are gonna come for you? Oh, yeah, well, we lasted what like 30 minutes before we <laughs> officially brought up Naito should have won. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know, they that that has been one of the most hilarious things on Twitter. But like, the the Kenny stands are basically blaming Naito fans for Kenny's reign not being popular. And it's like, I, I mean, look, that Naito could have had a fucking seven year long reign, and I still would have hated Kenny versus Cody a lot. Like, I don't know what to tell you. But, I don't know. People want to blame something because they can tell it's not really working. But with all that said, I think we're all going to look for these next match. So. <laughs> can, can I just uh, uh, mention one more thing while we're in our uh, two minutes hate on Kenny section <laughs> before we move into actually Kenny is really good? 
Um, so this is based off of something that uh, TJ Hawk uh, noted in a review of Kenny versus Cody. Shout out to TJ. Big fan. Big fan. Um, <laughs> which was this idea that like Kenny comes from like this, you know, DDT, goofy comedy anime guy background. And now he's, you know, the, the prestige work rate God. And it's an interesting and tricky dilemma of how you bridge those two. And Kenny's way of bridging it seemingly has been like, Actually, those are just the same thing. <laughs> Actually, it just like makes total sense for you know the the work rate god of the world to do you can't escape to call out you know Kotaro mm-hmm. before it does a Kotaro crusher uh, to do all these like you know silly mugging things and you know it's it's wild because like I think that if he could commit to a tone like that and have you know even just like fifty percent really serious work rate matches and fifty percent you know, it's a house show or it's a B show. I'm going to be really goofy and I'm going to like, you know, uh, put smiles on faces. If he was doing that like separately, then I think that I would be a lot more fine with it. Yeah. But as it is right now, like it's hard to get invested in an individual match because you don't know when the tone's going to kind of yeah. shift into yeah. that like happiness. I mean, if he just, like I said, just, just calm the fuck down for faces. It's only you really get him. Um, but yeah, we'll stop hating on Kenny Omega before... Anybody else shows up on Twitter, don't follow me. Uh, Kota Ibushi, Hiroki Goto. Kota won in 1809 by Kami Goe. Um, he moved to 4 and 2. Goto dropped to 2 and 4. Um, I thought this was awesome. I know I liked this a lot more than Hannah did. I'm not sure if I liked it more than you did, Skylar, but I guess we'll find out in a second here. I thought Ibushi's. The things that stick with me from this match, first of all, Ibushi's face after he like backflipped out of the top rope Yoshi tonic was amazing. It was, I think, the same face he made, like, right before he gave Naito the Lariat on the next show. So, like, <laughs> that face he gets where he's, like, I don't know, very intense, but in a wacky way. It really works. Uh, I know we just made fun of Kenny for being wacky, but Coda can be wacky. It's totally different. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I ironically <laughs> agree. <laughs> he threw, like, a really amazing Lariat at one point, which he does all the time. Anyway, um... The the only like real flaw I found in this match was or the real like only big like not good spot was they kind of messed up the timing on like this headbutt it was supposed to be a counter for the Kamigoe. So I took a little bit off for that. But everything else I thought was really good. Um there's this really cool sequence where Ibushi like had a counter slap of a Goto headbutt, then hit another slap, then an eye kick, and then the Bamaye, which he's been doing a lot because maybe he maybe Nakamura told him, I'm not gonna resign. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of do the match, but probably. And then he like it just. I like the ending because after like after that, he just kind of hit the Kamigawa and won. Like a lot of times, these big main events can go on way too long with the closing stretch. And here, I really like. I gave it a little bit extra because I liked it. It was just like Abushi got the momentum. He hit a big combo and he hit his move, but he won. Like I feel like a lot of big New Japan main events don't have that kind of like simple like good ending. So I went four and a half on this, which I think is high compared to most people, but I really liked it. Yeah, I think I like it more uh, now than I did when I first watched it. Um, and I loved the finishing sequence. Uh, I thought that, like you said, it didn't overstay its welcome. Yeah. But the thing that kind of dragged the match down for me was um, like the first five minutes were very heavy on rest holds and these like slow strikes to build heat from Goto onto Ibushi. Yeah. And like 
I think that's a totally valid way to build a match, but it's just not really what I want to see in an Ibushi match. Like okay. he is, you know, this beautiful, <laughs> just wild guy who just goes at a million miles a minute and has all these, you know, preposterous ideas for uh, what kind of crazy spot to do next. And that's really what I want to see. So when there is like that, you know, five minutes of heat to sort of build up that triumphant comeback, like I get why it's there, but it does kind of like overstay its welcome a little bit and they can go, come on, when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? <laughs> yeah, I went, I went four flat on it and I had a lot of the same thoughts where I, I do think even though the uh, first, you know, half of the match or so is pretty well done. I mean, it's hard hitting, which has been sort of a theme with Abushi uh, this tournament that he's been at it just, you know, really going heavy with the strikes and uh, really having some physical matches. But I do think it overstayed its welcome just to slide him out. Um, and then it was redeemed by just like a batshit, crazy, fun closing stretch. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, most of those matches are, you know, that tends to be common in a lot of the new Japan main event type things where it just overstays its welcome. And then the ending is really fun. And I wind up like, "Uh, okay, four stars. (laughs) But yeah, I I think, I think uh, generally in like this main event spot, it wasn't like it was like a, you know, I mean, thank God it's a D1. So it wasn't like these people are putting out like 35 minute, like there's nothing that's like really going to be draining. Yeah. Everything is at least like digestible here. Yeah, that that is one thing that I really appreciate about the G one is that like everybody is out here trying to have match of the year candidates, and they are forced to have them in thirty minutes or less. And it is so refreshing not to just be like, "Oh, cool, <laughs> thirty minutes." We're going to start getting into the part where they tease finishers. Uh, yeah, uh, it can be it can be like a fucking tonic after you know the rest of the year is like forty five minute matches, but. Uh, but overall, pretty good show. Uh, I liked the main. I liked Naito and Yano. Fuck the other match now. <laughs> there was like one of the. Oh, it's not. I didn't really like the. Well, I didn't. I really hated Zach and Kenny, obviously. Um, but yeah, not not the great speed block show. Not the worst. Middling, maybe towards lower middle. I didn't think it was like my least favorite uh, B block show, probably, but oh, still, I enjoyed it overall. Uh, I, overall, I think it was solid. I think all these B block shows tend to follow like a pretty similar formula where uh, they deliver at least like one sort of high end decent match. And because that's like the last match you watch, I mean, are you going to give like a thumbs down to a show that usually has like it's finished by an awesome match? Yeah. Not really. So, you know. B-block, thumbs up across the board. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure if you liked, if you're one of those people that thought Kenny Saver was like four and a half stars or better, then you probably really thought this show was awesome, but it wasn't us, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on now to Fukuoka with the uh, much maligned A-block. Um, <laughs> it was interesting when I went through my star ratings, and the A-block doesn't have... It's very weird. It, it, I talked about this on the, the Patreon show I did uh, with Voice of Us in the past weekend the a block doesn't have like it's not missing good matches or even really good matches if there are a bunch of matches i've given four flat to and four four and a quarter but it doesn't have anything at four and a half or higher for me so that's i think when you're when you're missing that those like 
blow-away matches. I think that's where the A block really, like, comes in and feels like, eh. But, you know, and then you still have Fale on the undercards, like, sneaking it up. Um, although this fact, what we're starting off here, wasn't one of my least favorite Fale matches or anything. Um, but, yeah, I think that's my bigger problem with the macro of the A block. It, like, it really needed, like... I don't, like, the big problem was that even though I ended up liking the Jay White matches more than a lot of people, like, they were still, like, the, the White, the White Ta- Okada went, like, three and three quarters, and White Tanahashi went four and a quarter. If one of those had been, like, a fucking blow-away, like, four and three quarters match with your candidate, I think people would probably think a lot higher of the A block than they do right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, in my top ten, I think only two of my top ten are... A block matches, oh, and even then it's like zero. very borderline. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. I, I also like. I didn't even really like the the white stuff. I'm also like. I guess the one holdout on Hangman Page <laughs> still. Yeah, you know, even though I, I'll get to, I, I actually think I think his match against on this show is probably my favorite of his of the entire tournament. Um, but uh, I think they, they, you know the. Before this show started, before the A Block show started, I think you were basically looking at and you had to count on saying, like, one of Jay White or Hangman Page has to deliver, like, match of the year level matches for this block to, like, really work. And, you know, even though both of them have been, like, sort of close at times, I don't think either of them really got there. Yeah, I would I would agree. I don't think either one has really delivered that level. I, even though I have, like, Page's form a lot. Uh, okay, so the first the show here is from Fukuoka. The first match was Michael Elgin defeating Bad Luck Fale in eleven thirteen by DQ. Uh, Elgin to three and four and drops Fale to three and four. Um, so this actually wasn't as bad as I was expecting to be. But that's only because I thought it was going to be like horrendous. Uh, it was very boring early on, uh, but it did kind of settle into like a smaller guy tries desperately to put bigger guy down by running into him groove. <laughs> it really isn't that bad compared to a lot of Fale's matches. And I, I haven't liked... I am not one of people who thinks Elgin's had a great tournament. I think he's had a pretty terrible tournament. But um, this wasn't that bad. I didn't really hate it that much. Uh, it would have been a lot better if that was building up to Folly winning clean than, like, a bunch of run-ins. But, um, you know, by the time the run-ins happened, I went, like, two and a quarter on this, which is... You know, it doesn't sound very high, but I, I liked it more than Kenny and Zach. So there you go. Um, and the, the Tama Tonga stiff ass chair shots were fucking awesome, too. <laughs> yeah, uh, for me, uh, not such a great match. I give it one star flat. <laughs> uh, there was one spot that I really liked. Uh, it was when Elgin was trying to do like a second rope shoulder block onto Fale and he just like countered with his own shoulder block and sent him flying like a ragdoll. And <laughs> I I just love it when somebody gets ragdolled. <laughs> but like here's the thing, like with a lot of these like Haas versus Haas matches, um like there's not a lot of that anymore. And I think that like Ogan gets maybe one more one good power spot. Um like he you know does a big driven suplex on Fale here but most of what he does is, okay, well, I can't lift this guy comfortably, so I'm just going to thigh slap more times in a minute than anyone's <laughs> And it's just, like, his really awkward enzigiri, like a really awkward big boot out of the corner, um, and it's just over and over again, like, trying to make these uh, very, like, big wind-up strikes of his feel like they have a lot more impact than... 
they do. It's it's not often that someone can make me feel like I overrated a match at two and a quarter, but Canada just did that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, now I feel like I really overrated. I only went three, but yeah. wow. <laughs> I know. Whoa, three stars, big uh, baller here. Um, I, I did think this was an enjoyable Haas fight, even though it is a sort of repetitive story. Elgin has been going back to like the sort of story where I, I guess he's hurting his arm over and over again because he does a lot of lariats and he just winds up hurting his arm. He also did the same thing in like the evil match where the he arm like, apparently actually hurt. So. Yeah, so you know, I, I I enjoyed that little story and I you know, I mean, big guys just like hitting each other. I'm okay with that. Uh, that'll get me into a match, but I I do think. A lot of the Elgin matches of this tournament do have a cap on them just because, you know, the bloom is off the rose a little bit for lots of reasons. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was a guy who thought he had a case at like one of, you know, one of the most underrated wrestlers in the world for a while, especially when he first came to New Japan. I loved his first G run run. Um, and I, I just, I, I think the fact that I won't connect with him ever again on that level is just always going to put a certain ceiling on his matches. So, yeah, yeah what I mean, else is gave, there to say? I mean, I gave him a Naito five stars last year, but, like, even beyond the everything else with Elgin, like, I just feel like it's been a steady downhill ever since from an in-ring quality standpoint. And if you look at, like, all the... Ne- he just... He should not be a never, like, style wrestler. Like, he's not good at it. Yeah. He's, he's a... I, I think I saw this from somebody on Twitter after he said it, but, like... He's like an indie fucking super wrestler. That's what he is. He's like does, even though he's a bigger dude, he does these fast paced like indie matches. I mean, his best match in this team one was probably with Hangman Page because they just did like an American indie match. But like, you know, the fucking Hoss, like, you know, I'm gonna like hit you hard, you're gonna hit me hard. He's not interesting at that. And he's like, you know, I don't know. What I would tell people is if you wanna know what we're saying here, watch one of his matches and then watch a Hiroki Goto match. That does not involve Michael Elgin back to back, <laughs> and then see the fucking difference because Go he's trying to be Hiroki Goto. That's what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. But Goto, like, there's that personality and that in ring, you know, that in ring character that really makes you latch on Hiroki Goto while he's throwing all these fucking forearms and li- trying to lift guys constantly. And it's not just not there with Michael Elgin. It's just not interesting doing that. So, I mean, that's what it comes down to for me beyond everything else. But like, he just. He's not. It's, he just shouldn't be in the never division. Very badly miscast in that division. Even though, you know, he tries to fat, slap those thighs nice and hard to to make the the strikes sound <laughs> stronger than they are. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like a bit of a goofy hypocrite because, um, like, my wife's like a really casual fan. She loves a lot of the character stuff, but I think I've only ever shown her four matches. Mm. And one of those was the Michael Elkin match. <laughs> and like, I hate everything that he's done right now, but that. Naito match that he had was amazing. But ever since then, I think he's just like really indulged in a lot of his worst tendencies and felt like he has to, you know, be this weird caricature of what an agile big man looks like. Yeah. And I would much rather that he like execute simple big man spots in like a crisp and quick way than be like, you know what? I'm going to do the world's slowest Enzigiri <laughs> and I'm going to do like the world's slowest, like, you know, uh, catch someone and suplex them. Uh, the way that I uh, refer to it is that he's like Hoss Flip Gordon. 
same way that Flip is going to take like two seconds to steady himself on a rope whenever mm-hmm. he's springboarding. You know, it's Mike Elgin is always going to telegraph his spot like a couple seconds in advance. By the way, I have to say this before I forget again because Hannah bringing up Flipboard made reminded me of this. I need to publicly acknowledge that when I first said I was going to go to All In, Skyler tried to talk me out of it and said, John, <laughs> you don't want to go to All In. I think you said to see Adam Page versus Joey Janela, which, by the way, we're not even getting. And I would take over like, <laughs> the matches on this fucking card. But, but yeah, he told me, like, don't go. Basically, don't go to All In, John. And I was like, I'm not going to listen to Skyler. I'm going to go. And now, every day, another terrible match gets announced. And I just am like, why aren't airfare? Why isn't airfare refundable? But what are you going to do? But hey, you can't complain about it because if you look at the replies to every match, there's just a bunch of excited Parks and Rec gifts. So <laughs> that means it was a good decision. It was, you can't debate that. Look, I mean, I'm sure the, there's a certain type of fan that loves it. And if that's you, listener, you know, I, I sure I, I'm turning off the go. podcast right I'm, now. <laughs> if, no, if that's you, listener, I'm, I sound like an asshole. I do this show a lot of the time. If you love this fucking Ellen card, if you're like, this is the greatest card of all time, I'm happy that you're happy. I want everybody in the world to be happy with pro wrestling. But I'm not happy. So <laughs> I'm going to complain about it because I have a giant microphone to do that or a medium sized microphone. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I really hate the card and uh, I'm really waiting for them to like fuck up the only remaining match I would give a shit about, which would be Omega and. Pentagon. Like, if, they, if it came out that, that was like a three way with Lethal, people were talking about it, which doesn't appear to be the case, thankfully, because Lethal's going to defend the title against the winner of the Battle Royal. So, it, hopefully, there are at least two matches I want to see between Omega Pentagon and the, the like crazy looking six man. Yeah, the, uh, the six man match looks awesome. Like, that's probably. Oh, we lose Skyler. Okay, but I've lost Skyler. <laughs> And oh, so, like, you're going to see Ibushi. You're going to see Oh, sorry. Can you oh, hear me now? You, yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. Now. What were you going to say? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that Ibushi trio's match is, like, worth price of admission. That is so good. <laughs> That's just, like, you know, honestly, I could have spent, like, money on a flight and all that. And if it was just a one-match show and that was all they showed, I would be pretty happy with it. Okay. Well, I mean, if you want, I told, I gave Kevin the software earlier. But if you want to buy my tickets, oh no, not gonna happen. This is a hypothetical okay. to make you feel better. Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't know about the trios match, but I will say that the uh, opportunity to spend some time in the beautiful Chicagoland area is more than worth the price of admission. I've been there already, but it's cool. Um, what was I gonna say about All In? Was it about All In? I guess it was about the the Maybe moment about Makabe versus Page. Makabe versus Page. Uh, Hangman Page beat Makabe in nine ten with the rate of passage to move to two and five and drop Makabe to five. I remember what I was going to say about all that actually before we get into that. If Okada was booked against like anyone <laughs> from Marty Scroll, I would be like a thousand percent more happy. That's the only other thing I'm going to say about all that. Like just anyone. Okada versus Joey Janela. I would love to see Okada versus Joey Janela as much as yeah, that'd you know, be good. Asshole for other reasons. Okada versus I don't know MJF. I've never I've never seen MJF wrestle, but at least get, Okada versus MJF might have been like interesting. Okada versus a junior heavyweight is not interesting, 
and especially when they're only building it up by talking about how tiny Marty is. So, yeah, not a fan. But I'm going. I'm going. So, and I'm sitting third row for some reason. So, if you see somebody looking not happy in an Lij shirt, <laughs> that's me probably. Or Taichi. I haven't really decided. I'm going to wear Taichi or Lij yet. I don't decide which is better. Uh, Hangman Page beat Togi Makabe nine ten with the rite of passage. Moved Page to two and five and dropped Makabe to two and five. Yeah, this was good. I think we teased this before, but um, the it wasn't anything like blow away, but it was very enjoyable. Um, there's like a lot of cool lariats. Makabe hit like a really vicious like short arm lariat, which was my highlight early on. Uh, Page like landed on his feet on a German suplex and then hit a super kick, which you know, and then Makabe like just kind of like shrugged it off and hit like hit like the greatest casual lariat of all time. Just kind of like stuck his arm out and almost took his head off. That was awesome. Um, but yeah, it was simple, but really hard hitting and fun. And I'm a mark for lariat, so. I went three and three quarters. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went three and three quarters as well. Uh, I mean, under ten minutes, perfect length for this match. Yeah. Uh, I, I, even though I have sort of, I mean, I'm getting there on Hangman Page. I think some of his last matches have just gone on like two minutes too long, and he's like fucked up at the end. And I'm like, oh, sorry. Still confirmed bad. <laughs> like the Okada match where he like he like had a few like slight miscues in the end. I'm like, all right, I was right once again. He's still terrified. This guy was like, yes! Yeah, I will I use any excuse to be right for like one more day. But uh, this was really good because, it. I mean, Makabe is not someone that I like. But uh, in this type of match where you're only asking him to like do lariats and run around and... Hey, you're just telling Hangman Page, like, hey, just go up and be tough against this guy. It just, like, it worked for me. It was just a slugfest, like, sprint, which does not happen enough on some of these G1 shows. Like, the that sub-10-minute, just, like, brawling, crazy-type match. Like, uh, so it was a breath of fresh air, especially on these A blocks that can be very, very dull at times. Yeah. Yeah. For me, uh, I think I liked it a little less than you guys, but it's another one that definitely improved for me as I kind of got more distance from it. And like you guys are saying, appreciated it for how much of a contrast it can be from uh, different G1 matches. And one thing that's always just going to be really cathartic is seeing somebody who's lost every G1 match so far, except for one where he won by DQ, finally get his shit in and hit his finisher um, and there was, like, this real worry that people had, like, throughout the tournament of, like, oh, like, the crowds don't really know what the Rite of Passage looks like. Are they going to pop <laughs> for it when it finally hits? And they popped. Um, they popped wild for this one. It's a cool looking movie. You don't know yeah. It and it was, it was a really fun match. Um, like, the one thing that I would still dock from it is um, Makabe has this spot that he's been doing throughout this match a lot where uh, somebody, like, blocks his spider German, and then he turns it into a spider belly-to-belly. I had that complaint for the very next match. Yeah, that. yeah. And the first time that happened, I was like, this is the coolest thing. I love it. Yeah. But <laughs> I hate it when, like, a really cool, uh, you know, one-time counter becomes uh, an every-match thing. Yeah. I hated it when, you know, one of my favorite spots from uh, Hiromu versus Ishimori, my favorite match of the year, was the Poison Rana reversals um, and no-sells. And I was like, you know what? For this to happen once, this is wild. I love it. And then he just went ahead and did the same thing in the Will Ospreay match. Yeah. And, 
you know, it always kind of like takes the luster out of something that like is really unexpected and really cool for once. But that was like one spot and the rest of it, like you guys said, really hard hitting is not anything more than it needed to be. Um, and Hangman Page absolutely has like the type of, you know, defiant baby face anti-hero fire where he can really sell that uh, passion in getting his first pinfall win. Yeah. Um, I thought it was good, and I'm glad they waited for a while to give him the first one because I thought it made a bigger moment. Uh, okay, up next, Jay White and Yoshihashi. Jay White got the win at 9.48 with the Blade Runner. I moved him to 5-2 and two and dropped Yoshihashi to 1-6. I thought this was decent. Um, wasn't like my favorite match or anything. I don't even have that many notes on it. I just noted uh, that Kevin Kelly cursing Jay White off was kind of awesome <laughs> on the English commentary. And I like that the low blow didn't, like, immediately put away Yoshihashi for a change. I also noted that was, like, the first time the crowd really got into it was, uh, you know, after Yoshihashi got hit in the nuts. So I just like the Japanese crowd, like, it can have this rep for being, like, a more discerning, like, wrestling crowd. But here they're just like, man, you're hitting nuts! Yeah! (laughs) Very into that. Um, But, yeah, and the finish with Jay counting Karma and the Blade Runner out of nowhere was cool. I like when Jay does that kind of thing. He, it actually makes the move look cool, which is pretty difficult. Um, but yeah, this like I went three stars on this. It's kind of just a little bit better than just a match, but yeah. just yeah. what gave it that mostly for the fantasy sequence. Yeah, it was a fun match. Um, pretty forgettable though for me. I think that like one thing that sticks with me up about this one is how much it got overshadowed by the corresponding tag match the night before, um, where like. I've been loving uh, Jay just hamming it up and being like this absolute <laughs> E-fed character on the undercard matches. I didn't realize you're watching the tags. Wow, you're like... I'm, I'm, uh, well, what I'm typically doing is like having the tags on in the background and sort of tabbing mm-hmm. over if I hear something interesting. Gotcha. But um, for those who might not watch, if be watching the tags, which like if you're not watching them, then you're absolutely making the right choice. <laughs> you're... Uh, <laughs> Cutting down from, you know, 5,000 hours of G1 to only 3,000 hours of G1. Um, but at the start of the tag match, uh, where it was him and Yo against Yoshihashi and I think Sho, um, he was just like, hey, look, man, we're in the same faction. Um, I'm just going to lie down for you. We can have an easy night and settle mm-hmm. this in the you know, ring tomorrow. There's no point at stake here. Let's just, you know, uh, have a relaxed evening. And, you know, Yoshihashi got the opportunity to be like, no, the feds came here to see this tag match. And, you know, he uh, immediately turns on him and is like, you made me do this. <laughs> and, like, that level of just, like, petty douchebag healing, um, I really love. And I think, like, Switchblade definitely succeeds or fails on whether you or not you think that he's supposed to be super cool. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think that I love him. And I think that a lot I of that do. is because he's he is a dork in a lot of ways. <laughs> and one of the ways that that's reflected is that like he has a perfect record against baby faces in this tournament and is winless against heels. So when he's actually going up against somebody who knows how to fight dirty, who, you know, doesn't fall for this stuff, then, you know, he has no idea what to do, but like he can do all these like uh, shitty little tricks and get himself some points. Now, I know you mentioned on Twitter, so you have to go all the way with this. We're hoping if the final is Naito and Jay White, it's like, Jay White's natural counter is going to be... Absolute douchebag. <laughs> the absolute... The biggest asshole in the history of baby's faces. Yes. It's a unite, though. But, um, yeah. But yeah, so this was good. This was good, but wasn't didn't blow me away or anything. Yeah, Yoshihashi's offense is, like, maybe 
Uh, I don't know. One of the worst of any major promotions wrestling. Yeah, really like uh, outside of like his lariat, which I mean, come on, lariats are always good. Uh, like the butterfly lock is terrible. Like his, his drop kick to like any anyone hanging on the ropes. Like so, uh, so many of his movies just moves just look like terrible. <laughs> Uh, that it's really hard for me to get into his matches. He's probably my lowest overall rated wrestler. Uh, I, 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 I don't hate him that much because I, even though I, I agree his offense is really terrible, especially that fucking butterfly lock. Um, <laughs> I, his selling to me is so good that I can still get into his matches, especially when like a lot of them are just going to get his ass kicked the entire time. So I don't, I don't mind the the guy who sucks basically. The guy who just gets fucking. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the guy who sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wasn't that like didn't someone make a fake T-shirt of that on Twitter? Yeah, the Akewood uh, reference, I think. Yeah, I also got depression or something. But yeah, I mean, like it, he's really terrible, and that's his gimmick, though. So yeah, you know, I'm cool with him. I like him. I think I like him a lot more than some other people in the storm. But, yeah, so, Sky, we have to fight now. Thursday, DC. <laughs> fight yeah, I, I want to chime in with some agreement on uh, his like rope hung drop kick being like one of the worst looking moves of the tournament. Yeah, um, I again, I don't. He's not at my bottom for uh, the rankings of the wrestlers here, but I was like seeing him do that spot and just being like, "That's a really dumb spot. Why would anybody try that?" <laughs> and then I went back and watched a uh, Minami Toyota against Kyoko Noe match from like '95 and. Toyota does like a very similar like <laughs> rope hung drop <laughs> like absolute murder. Oh okay, yeah. What's your my Iwatani did one to Iwatari in like the the year on climax in twenty sixteen that looked like she fucking broke her spine. So that move can look really good if you just kick yeah. him really hard. I guess. Yeah, I think the problem is the way it looks. It's like he's grazing his toes on their ass, and it's just <laughs> like I you know. I don't. That would be alarming if that happened. To me. <laughs> Not really. Like, <laughs> like I would. I wouldn't sell it. <laughs> uh, uh, just used to watch his Mayu and Mayu Iwatani and Manami Toyota tapes, and he'll be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Semi main. Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Evil with the high fly flow in twelve fifty seven. We'll talk about this in the average ratings, but these two have not been having a great tournament for me. Um, I don't know what it is. I usually love both of them, but they just. They just been taking easy or something, or they know they're in a shitty block. But like, yeah, they've had some really disappointing matches, including this one with each other. Uh, I only went like two and a half on this. I thought it was very slow and dull most of the way. Uh, I lost my interest early and never really got it back. So, you know, a lot of it was like arm working over stuff by Evil, which is like logical but not very exciting at all. And you know, I, I was amused that Tanahashi hit the Evil on Evil. It's always funny when someone hits Evil with the Evil, but. Um, yeah, I guess I wasn't two and a half, just a match for me. Very average. Yeah, Tana's really been uh, coasting through this uh, G1 so far. It's like uh, he's saving everything for that Okada match, which isn't yeah. understandable, I guess. But maybe he's going to the final. Maybe that's why he needs to save him more. Yeah, it's just, I, I, it's weird that he sort of is just, I feel like it's very under-talked about just like how washed up he's looked. And I assume he will have a really good match with Okada, and people, yeah, obviously, is like one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. But uh, you know, it is sort of disappointing to see him where he is the de- the whole this block is like dependent on him delivering like you know four to five really good matches, and he like can't doesn't seem capable of it 
almost. Actually, I don't know if it, it's something that's from Cable. I just think he's to, to me, it seems more like he's not trying to do it. Yeah, I mean, this but, only got like 13 minutes, and not that you can't have a really good match in 13 minutes, but it feels like a lot of his matches have been on the shorter side, and it just kind of feels like it's like, well, buddy, uh, you're gonna have to go all out maybe at the end here, and you're 41 years old, so you know, no one's coming to these block shows for match quality anyway. They got the block for that, so just take it easy. Yeah, I think I liked it a little more than you guys did. Um, I thought the finish was hot. Um, I definitely remember just like being very invested in it. And, you know, like with evil being somebody who got 12 points last year, kind of out of nowhere, like I am still very invested when they are teasing a bunch of like false finishes and finisher reversals against a top guy like that. And I just keep thinking like, okay, well, is he going to have another, you know, moment where he comes close to grabbing that brass ring and elevates himself? Um, unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot else to say about it because, uh, the only note that I managed to take about this match was everything is evil. Uh, <laughs> but I do remember enjoying it quite a bit. All right. Uh, main event. Kasujika Okada defeated Minoru Suzuki in 18-20 with the Rainmaker. Okada went to 5-2 and two, and Suzuki went to 4-3. and three. Uh, This was an interesting one going in because they had two matches last year. Uh, one of which was one of my least favorite matches of the entire year. Mm. The fucking New Beginning match. Yep. One of which I really liked, the G1 match. So I was like, well, let's be... Like the G1 draw, that was pretty damn good, or would this be that fucking new beginning match? Thankfully, it was more like the G1 draw for me. I thought this was pretty damn awesome. Um, early on, it was kind of like half speed. It didn't really feel that great, but there was like a there was a strike exchange that was really good. I remember that, and that like is what really started picking up. Was that the one where like uh, Okada was just like grinning super wide as he was getting struck? Yes. Yeah, yeah that was amazing. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. Um, and then like. You know, and you know, obviously Suzuki always grins when he's striking people. So it was like these two grinning idiots just hitting each other. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the Okada, like, um, I, I really like that he just he just uses that that cradle he pins Kenny with in Dominion just yeah. all the time now. It's just like I like it when he a guy gets success with a, a random move like that and just like I'm gonna go for this all the time now because it worked for me once. So that was cool. Um, the, there was like a really brutal drop kick after some really brutal slap by Suzuki. Uh, there was like a really cool pile driver counter sequence towards the end that went on for you know a while without really feeling corny like some of the Okada reverse sequences can feel. And then they went to the finish not long after that. So um, you know I went four and a quarter on this. I couldn't really go any higher because it was boring a little bit early on. But everything from the strike exchange on I thought was really really good and. I guess save this show to a degree because if this match had been a clunker, this would have been a clunker of a show. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, very similar thoughts to you overall. Um, I think that Suzuki definitely has a tendency to when he knows he's working like a match on the longer end, uh, kind of pad it out in ways that don't feel that satisfying. Yeah. Like he has a lot of his like, uh, you know, brawling on the outside tropes that he likes to rely on. But like you said, once it got to that strike exchange, uh, they had such an amazing dynamic of being like this absolute cocky, bratty shithead and this, you know, complete violent killer. Um, and that's one of like the best dynamics to see played out is just like two idiots who will take each other's absolute most dangerous strikes over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I was sort of surprised. I thought I would be in an island with this match. I went four and a half on it. 
Um, you know, I, I also am in the same boat with you. Where I really liked the draw last year and hated the first match. Yeah. But 18 minutes, that's pretty much a perfect length for a Minoru Suzuki match these days. Because, uh, you know, he doesn't, ha- he doesn't have to fill a lot of time, like, brawling on the outside. He can just sort of get right to just, like, slapping the shit out of someone and then having, like, a fun finishing sequence. And I loved, like, the tombstone or, like, the uh, pile driver reversal sequence. And that sort of ended with, like, Okada hitting the gotch-style tombstone <laughs> on Suzuki. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I don't think there's a lot to be said about this match because it is sort of a simple uh, formula, just worked well. But I'm glad that Suzuki, despite being old and, uh, you know, phoning it a lot, can still just, like, come out and have, like, a entertaining match where he just slaps someone around. I mean, that's, that's, like, probably my favorite type of match ever is just like very intimidating guy slapping around someone like weaker than him. So I mean he's I was just looking at my spreadsheet to be sure, but like of my favorite A block matches, he has been in like yeah, looked like three of my top five. Yeah. So I think he is that four or six or something? Maybe four or six. But either way, it's uh he's been in a lot of really good A block matches. I mean he had a couple big clunkers too, but um I just think he's been one of the best performers in the A block this year. And for the love of God, not having to deal with the fucking Suzuki Goon interference like we did last year has been a gigantic improvement. I understand interference has its place and blah, blah, blah. But with Suzuki, it always just felt like he does not need this. Like, he is a great professional wrestler when he wants to be. And with his whole gimmick and, like, his persona, I can totally buy him beating guys. He doesn't need fucking people running in for him. It just, yeah. like, it never felt like a good fit to me. So, you know, like, it with AJ, I kind of got it to a degree because he's, you know, he's so much small, smaller than all these New Japan heavyweights, and it kind of made sense. Maybe he needs some help to beat these guys. But, you know, Suzuki's smaller, too, but he has that shoot fighter, like, vibe. I just never thought, like, he needed that interference. So, uh, all right, any other thoughts about this show or this match? No, I think we're good. Okay. I think we just about covered every aspect of the show. <laughs> August 4th, Osaka, the first of two nights, a, a B-block show, opening up with Toriano losing to Sonata via countout in 522. Sonata moved to 4-3, and Yano fell to 1-6. Uh, first of all, it was really cool to start with something up in Tamatanga. So Yano like, snuck up alongside Sonata as he was making his entrance, and like the look on his face, he was like slowly sneaking along the side of the ramp with that grin. It was just fucking awesome. Um, someone needs to fucking ask Marty Asami, though, why the hell did you ring the bell when both of <laughs> men were on the ramp? Like, Marty, they were on the rampway. Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, okay, uh, wrestler two attacked wrestler one on the ramp, and neither of them got to the ring. Ring the bell! Ding, ding, ding! Here we go. <laughs> really, really bizarre. He's a, um, had a rough tournament. So. Yeah, I was saying that and like just being like the, the the guy who can't do anything with BCOGs that needs to be saved by red shoes. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, so now I did like a rolling cradle and Yano spent the entire time going, no, no, no. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, and then, of course, when he got tied up in the Paradise Lock, which I'm tired, by the way, of the flagship and all these other people with their Paradise Lock slander. The Paradise Lock is good. 
okay? If you can buy a, a man getting thrown into the ropes and bouncing back into another man for no reason, you can buy a man being tied up in a hole, all right? Calm down. <laughs> anyway. Um, heavy shots. Heavy shots. Uh, Rocky, you know, when he got cut, when he got cut, tied up in the, the Paradise Lock, he started yelling for Rocky. That was obviously amazing as well. And then Sonata put the Paradise Lock on a, like in the barricade. He tied Rocky up too, so he couldn't escape. And then he put the headset back on Rocky. <laughs> the way he did it so calmly, that was what really killed me. Like when I saw him like just calm face on his, on his head, I was like fucking dying. But yeah, this is, I, I went greens and quarters on this because um, it was fucking awesome and I laughed a lot. So God bless both these wonderful men. Yeah, uh, I went four and a half stars on this. <laughs> I went four and a half stars because, like, this was absolutely, like, the level of, you know, hysterical laughing where, like, my wife, like, opens the door for the next room and it's just like, are you all right in there? Like, what's going on? You know, I, I show her the spot of, um, it was just, like, the first Paradise Lock at that point where, you know, uh, he gets Rocky to help him and then Rocky just, like, sort of very gingerly shoves him <laughs> over a little bit and that frees him. Like, that in and of itself is just so adorable and wonderful. <laughs> and then, like, you know, they, they topped it with the second Paradise Lost yeah. spot. Like I said, you know, for the, the last Sonata match, like, he has the sensibilities of a comedy wrestler. And when he's allowed to, like, do that stuff, he is amazing. Yeah. But, like, you look at a lot of his, like, highest profile matches, like, the fact that he didn't try for a Paradise Lock in the title shot that he got against Okada, that's a big black mark against him. Mm. And, you know, like, I wish he could just be this uninhibited and have these really fun matches all the time because he also probably yeah it's his straight and like here's the thing like the fact that he's so stoic doesn't work against that i feel like because yeah. that just means that he's the ultimate straight man you know yeah. like he makes you do all the really muggy selling for the paradise lock and you know flailing around <laughs> and shouting and he just gets to like stand there smoldering at you <laughs> and it's just like instantly creates a really great dynamic yeah it's interesting to see whether like, I don't know if the goofiness, like, like you said, he didn't even use the Paradise Lock, like, during his title shot. Like, if that is, uh, you know, sort of ordered from on high, like, if it's, you know, I, I think people have talked about a lot that when you're in New Japan, to move to the main event, they tend to, like, strip away some of, like, the sillier aspects of your gimmick. And I feel like if he does ever indeed move into the main event scene and they take away some of that from him, it'd be really sad because that's like one of the only things I think makes him like a interesting dynamic character. Cause otherwise he's just like a brooding guy that people think is really hot, which I mean, there's worse wrestling gimmicks to have, but Hey, you know, having like that one extra dimension to his character is like adds a ton to his matches. Did you like the master scatter? It was good. It was good. I mean, it, it, this is the type of match that I have trouble rating because it just makes me laugh and I like enjoy myself a lot. But yeah, well, that sounds like a thumbs really up. High. Thumbs up. Five stars. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, the the post match too, where Milano had to come over from the Japanese announce table to free them. That was awesome too. So everything here was great. Two thumbs up to Sonata and Yano. Mm-hmm. Uh, from that pure joy to Tamatanga. Uh, he was defeated by Hiroki Goto in 11-15 by disqualification. Uh, Goto moved to 3-4 and, and Tonga fell to 2-5. This is also where Tama Tommy choked the fan, which I don't really feel like we have to get into. I feel like other podcasts have 
cover that a lot, but uh, it's pretty stupid. I mean, it, look, when it first happened, I thought it had to be a plant. So the fact that it was not just means it's like really a really, really dumb thing to do. I don't know what else to say about it. Um, and I mean, I kind of like the idea that like New Japan was like, eh, buddy, you're taking it too far here for each other fan. But then when he posted a video of himself like littering on purpose on a train, <laughs> he like that was like you went too far now. <laughs> like look, that's the most Japanese thing of all time. So I get it; it's, it's hilarious. But like if you look on, I'm pretty sure it was both because if you look on like yeah. Japanese social media, if you like check the New Japan tag and stuff, or just like you know the, the Tamatanga tag, I guess in Katakana, there's a lot of people like what the fuck are you doing, basically? Like, you got a lot of pushback, and most people were talking about both, like, not one or the other. Yeah. So, there was, like, a strong outcry, and I assume that's why New Japan probably did something. But Yeah, the people... only good heat-seeking thing they did was when he was like, uh, fuck the troops. <laughs> yeah, that was true. Like, that, like, alright, cool. But then, <laughs> but then he was like, also, I was a troop, I did my time. Was like, alright, you already lost me. Uh... Yeah, Flame Asterito is a very good line, and I'm upset at Tongaloa for, uh, you know, kind of shifting it over to just Flame and Dorito. I don't yeah. think that's as strong. Yeah, it's not as good. I actually kind of was worried it was like an anti-case thing at first when he said Flaming Dorito, but apparently it was like about a guy with red hair. Yeah, yeah. It, was like a, it was a guy who, he was like making fun of him for being a ginger, and the guy... The guy really melted down after this. <laughs> There's like a long string of tweets. It's like we're discriminating against like everyone else. There's some really good screenshot compilations if you seek them out. Um, and now he's, been, I mean, he's a celebrity. He started this whole new thing for the Bullet Club. I mean, he should be proud of himself, honestly. Way to go, Mr. Ginger Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this was a, uh, I don't know, it's very dull early. Uh, there was a kept corner powerbomb by Tomatonga that was like spectacularly fucked up. Uh, and then they blew their spot at the end too with like the, the fucking timekeeper rang the bell when it wasn't the DQ yet. Oh, that was so weird. And it was supposed yeah. to set up right it was running, so odd. Running out to flip them all off and calling for the DQ. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I went two stars on it just because I don't even know why I went two stars on it. <laughs> I didn't hate it as much in real time as I hated some other Tomatonga matches, but yeah, it was pretty, not very good. Not very good at all. Yeah. You guys uh, get to see a special behind-the-scenes look at how the podcast is made and learn that this match is when I was paying half attention and calculating what the rate of people winning their matches after facing the PCRG members <laughs> was. I can say, folks, if you're wondering how to become an Omakase guest, the, the way is to have a spreadsheet and show it to me. I, that's what, cause I didn't it, even do that. <laughs> it, was, it was great timing on, on Hannah's part because I was like, I was thinking about like, who am I going to have on next week? I want to do, I guess, G1 only. I thought he, I thought of Skyler because I was like, oh, I want to have Skyler back on. I think he's watching it. And Hannah like shows up my mentions, but like, there's my little fancy looking G1 spreadsheet. And I was like, well, here's my other guest. It's a beautiful <laughs> spreadsheet. I'm very proud of it. It was like, wow. I mean, how can I argue with that? She showed up with my mentions. She she owned me basically because I I posted a very plain like Excel list and she had like this great like colored like breakdown. I mean yeah we she's showing me a picture which you the listener cannot see but I mean, maybe we'll, like post a photo of it or something. But yeah it was a, it was a great spreadsheet so that's how she got in here. So if this if this match helped her oh no you were calculating 
the lot, the target lots. You're already booked at this point, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're already booked. But, but but you know that that kind of like obsessive detail to <laughs> statistics that is how you uh, make yourself a star on the show. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so that match sucked. Moving on, Zack Saber Jr. versus Juice Robinson. Uh, Zach won in thirteen thirty nine with the cremation lily. Moved him to that's the real name of the move, folks. By the way, moved him to four and three. <laughs> it dropped Juice to two and five. Um, I really like this. I think I was probably the high person on it. But um, even like when the crowd, I know sometimes it's hard to get into a match that the live crowd is very much not into. But even when they were not into it early, I was really enjoying it with like, you know, some hard hitting strikes, some cool little counter wrestling from Zach. Uh, Juice did a jackhammer that I assume was a tribute to the brand new Triple Crown Champion Zeus. <laughs> so uh, There's a really cool counter from an arm bar into the Juice Box, a real move that Juice Robinson called the Juice Box. And then Zach took like a Naito-esque, like nasty neck bump off power bomb. Uh, anytime people like look like they're going to die, that always bumps that up a little bit for me. Uh, and by the time Juice came up, I, I really thought this was fucking awesome. I went four and a quarter on this. Uh, it was way better than I was expecting going in. And this G1 is the most I've ever enjoyed Zack Sabre Jr. I was never a big fan for this G1, but I think he's having a pretty damn good tournament other than that terrible Kenny Omega match. Yeah, I thought this, uh, I thought this was good. I, I, I went three and a quarter, and uh, you know, I actually think the match itself uh was pretty good because it was just like two surefire things like i i think zach saber jr is at its absolute best when he's like a complete asshole yeah. and just like putting people in nasty holds and just like dominating people he's a lot of his best evolve work is like that when he's like going up against like leo rush or darby allen all these flippy guys and he's just like grounding them with holds yeah. um and this, I, I mean, like it worked for that too because Juice Robinson, like we said before, is a sympathetic baby face. But like I also said before, do it, rem- doing the cast removal spot again and he goes for the punch and it gets like caught into a arm bar. I like, I did, it, it felt like a lot of pop and circumstance for a spot that already been done in literally the last match he had. Uh, I think Lanza's brought up that, uh, you know, oh, you do like these spots for like every person, you know, people who are in the live crowd might not have seen the other shows. So you have to repeat spots. So everyone like understands what's happening. But uh, at the end of the day, like a tournament that has like long-term storylines where every single day has something that factors into like the final standings. I feel like you should at least not, blatantly repeat things over and over yeah, again. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's too much to ask. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, like I said, pretty foolproof formula for a match. There's no way that this was going to be, like, straight up bad. So, good on them. Yeah. I love this one. Uh, I went the same rating as John, four and a quarter. And uh, I want to push back a little on that stuff about uh, taking the, the cast off because I thought that they did actually tell a different story with it this time, which is that like he really wanted to have that triumphant, climactic baby face. I'm going all out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to hit you with my left hand type deal. Uh, but he tried for it like three times in a row and got countered by an increasingly brutal thing every time. Like first it was that he did it like right into a kick from Zach. 
and then you know he got like put in a submission hold and i don't remember the exact sequence but you could tell that he was trying so hard to like fight through the pain and have this like very triumphant babyface moment and this absolute asshole is just denying him over and over again and i feel like that's something that um is pretty unexpected like you you can expect somebody to like get countered once and then you know like show babyface fighting spirit and and power through it but to see that happen repeatedly and to just get ground down into nothing was i thought like some great healing on zach's part yeah it was it was a really good match and i'm glad to be proven right now so i was right and scatter is wrong <laughs> i'm voted two to one i'm not gonna that i'm not gonna stand for this <laughs> uh a very awesome match and much better than i expected to be all right, the next match. So I mentioned earlier I had to get my Kenny Omega hate on before this one. I, I sort of figured going in that this was going to be a really fantastic match, and it definitely delivered. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii defeating Kenny Omega in 22-42 with the vertical brain buster. Uh, Ishii moves to 3-4, and four, and Kenny, of course, suffered his first loss. Now it's 6-1. and one. Um, So first of all, I want to just talk about what why my issues with Kenny normally didn't really come to play here. Uh, first of all, Kenny has a very in- inconsistent character. I talked about this a lot last week, I think. And, you know, where, like, it really bothers me, you know, how, like, he can just feel like he's just a bunch of different traits all mashed together. It's like, oh, he can be, like, a heel for five minutes and then a baby face for five minutes, which isn't really what a tweener is supposed to be. But here he was just a fucking asshole and a complete heel. So that worked, and that's fine, and, you know... Uh, Ishii obviously is such a great underdog that that was always going to work. So he just complete dickhead this entire match. So that worked right there. I mean, he was even like dodging strikes like his Jay White or something at one, at one point. So that was good. Um, you know, his goofy selling, it just, you know, I mean, he didn't he didn't get put in a lot of holds. So he didn't have a lot of time to make stupid faces. And even when he is making like dumbass faces when he's getting his ass beat by Ishii, if you're going to make dumbass faces for getting your ass beat, it may as well be Tomohiro Ishii. I mean, I can believe that like you're in a lot of pain when it looks like you're in a lot of pain from these fucking strikes and shit. That's what I'm selling. That's just a position that your face gets put into <laughs> when you take an Ishii strike. Um, but yeah, this was, you know, and then and then even like the shit with the with Kenny spamming the V triggers that's really annoying me in this tournament. Um, you know, if anyone, if I can buy anyone, no selling all that shit, especially strikes to the fucking head and neck when he doesn't have a neck, it is Ishii. So, for all those reasons, I thought this was good. There's a really cool sequence where Ishii no-sold the V-trigger, and it hit like a German, and then our rolling in a sliding lariat. That was really cool. Uh, he tried to use the one with Angel on Kenny, which would have owned, but does not to be. Um, there was like, at one point, like, Kenny, like, no-sold the Dragon Suplex and hit this, like, really cool lariat. Uh, Kenny like countered the snap Rana, or Ishii countered the snap Rana into this really vicious looking power bomb. Um, and then I have to give them credit too, because when they got back up at one point, when they went into a strike exchange, which is something I complained a lot about in Kenny Cody and some other Kenny, Kenny Okada from last year, where they were like beaten down and all of a sudden they're just doing strike exchanges perfectly. They both were selling really well, but they were really beat up and like they, they didn't have as much into it at that point. Which instead of going to like a perfect uh, strength exchange immediately, I thought that was really cool. Um, there was like a springboard double stomp by Kenny that like had Milano on Japanese contract going really crazy. Like he just kept saying holy shit repeatedly. 
That was pretty funny. Um, Ishii, like, just incredible selling of his neck, which I think made the match work on the level it worked at. Uh, I really thought the the crucifix counter, the one-wing angel, could have been the finish, and it was a really, really great near fall. And, you know, Kenny countered the, dip, the brain buster into his own, which was awesome. I was like, it was, felt like one last desperation counter. And after that, Ishii kicked out at one and just kind of kicked his ass and got the win. Um, yeah, I went the full five on this. I thought, you know, I could totally see why you wouldn't go the full five on it because there's a couple minor spots you can quibble with, especially there was one early that was really bad. But I just had that feeling at the end that I get sometimes where it mm. just felt like a five-star match. And, you know, I've never gone five on this series before. I went, uh, I believe, four and three quarters on the new beginning match last year, only four and a quarter on Domtaku and four and a half on the G1 Special in U.S. But, like, you know, this had a really special feeling by the end that I was really, you know, just it took me away from being critical and being... Um, you know, hypercritical and hyper, like, focused on Kenny's flaws. I remember it was you that said you're in a very... Pointing at Hannah, so people at home can't say. Hello. <laughs> I'm the one that's in the room, so I'm the one that Kenny points it at. You're, you're the one who were like, who's like, you're, you're in a very, like, uh, hyper-focused on Kenny's... Or hyper-aware of Kenny's flaws space or something like that. And that's totally where I was going to this match, too. Yeah. But by the end of it, they totally had me out of that space, and I'm just like, yeah, Kenny! All right! <laughs> but I'm sure it won't last. But I really, I really enjoyed this a lot, and thought it was a very special match. So I, I absolutely loved it too. Um, I don't think I went full five, but you know, at that point, it's like mm-hmm. it's quibbling. Um, and I thought that it was amazing. Um, and one of the the best things about it was that you know, like I had been giving Kenny shit for not <laughs> adjusting his uh, game plan or like the way that he approached a match against CSJ properly. Like, he was absolutely doing it against Ishii. He looked like he was, you know, terrified of getting into an actual striking exchange with Ishii yeah. and, you know, was going to try to play mind games or be cute or do all his, you know, uh, like he said, the the Jay White, like, strike avoidance stuff um, because he knew that, like, I might be the kayfabe best in the world right now, but, like, if I try to just go blow for blow with this guy, I'm going to get my ass kicked. And I loved seeing that. I loved seeing him just, you know, for once uh, feel like he needed to be somebody other than Kenny Omega to, you know, win this match. And then he got baited into the strike exchange and it went very bad for him. Yeah. So that all made sense. Uh, Skyler, what did you think? Uh, I went four and a half, which is a very good rating for me because, I mean, that's pretty much if you're in that rating or above year like a match of the year level match um i i like i said i pretty much for the same reasons the only reasons i had docked it were pretty much what you said just some sloppiness there was like a power bomb spot that issue was like almost slipped on and there was like the really weird like uh leapfrog where issue like half speared omega and then ran into the ropes like almost fell out of the ring (laughs) like that was just a little goofy but uh overall i think you know you can look at like the end of the match where like Omega's mouth is like super busted and there's blood everywhere. Like that is like the type of feeling of match where I'm just like, yep, match of the year level match. That's you know all I really need. Now, and, I say, do you have any five star matches this year yet or no? I do not have any five star matches. I, I two going into this going into this night and it doubles by the end of the night. But 
Uh, I, only, I only had Hiromu, Hiromu and Taiji and uh, uh, Zani Kozaka and Masashi Takeda. Yeah, well, even the last two years, I've had one in each year. So, um, yeah, pretty... What were they? I didn't know this. Um, Revival DIY, the two out of three falls, and then Okada Shibata. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, you know, for, for me, it has to be, for five stars is like a potentially like genre-defining match where you also have to kill, care about like the build and stuff like that. Because I'm a nerd and I think about this. Um, but I, you know, I, I did, I really like this. I really like the physicality. Uh, a few people have talked, to, a few people have made this point, but Ishii is sort of like the ultimate like blank slate wrestler where he's like, all right, I'm going to be tough and no sell stuff. You figure out the rest. You fill in the gaps. And sometimes that can be bad. I know, John, for instance, you are not the world's biggest Ishii fan in the world. Ishii um, fan. No, uh, no, no, no. Everybody mis- misunderstood. You're the ultimate that. Ishii hater. No, I, I, I mean, Ishii. Well, though, we've been talking for two hours and it's been nothing but Ishii hate. I have, he's like third place in B block for average rating for me. And, um, I thought, I think he's been awesome in this tournament. I just, what I said on, I think the show with like Murder of Ryan or something was like, I don't root for him. Like, I, the way a lot of other people like, automatically root for him at every single match. Like, I don't have that, like, fan connection. But that's also because, like, he's the biggest rival probably to my favorite wrestler. So, like, him and him and Naito are huge rivals. And, they, and you know, he beat Naito for the title, for that never title in 2014 and stuff. So, like, I still have lingering resentment over that. That's how much I love Naito. So I'm not over a never title change from four plus years ago. But uh, yeah, I just I never really root for him. But I sure as fuck was rooting for him here. Let me tell you. So, but yeah, people people took that to be like, oh, John hates. <laughs> Five stars, four and a half, four and a half, four and a half. Like you'll hear it all. You'll hear his name like over and over again in my top ten. So I think he's a phenomenal wrestler. So yeah. I just don't root for him in his matches because he's thankful. Yeah, but it, it makes it so that when he is in the ring with someone who, like, wants to be dramatic, the match will be dramatic. If it's someone, you know, he tends to, like, just completely adapt to their style, which I think is the reason why he can sort of fly under the radar for a lot of the year when he's like, oh, you got to wrestle Michael Elgin. Oh, you got to wrestle, like, you know, he, you have to wrestle in this tag, and he's just, like, not going to have a lot to do. And then he has all these match of the year contenders against really great workers. It's because he's letting, you know, he's saying, I'm going to bring this element to this match and you just build the rest and do what you do, and uh, you know, you'll look great doing it. And you—that's why all these matches have been awesome because you put Ishii in the block, Ishii with in the block with all the good workers, and surprise—he has all these great matches because he just yeah, lets them be themselves. Exactly. I mean, he's he's great at being the—you know—he's gonna fucking hit you really hard, but you can you can take it from there. I thought you know he had outstanding matches throughout this entire tournament. Like he, I mean, he does most years in the G1, honestly, but. Just because of how stacked this B block was, like it's just been awesome match after awesome match. So, also, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't mention that amazing goblin grin that he had. <laughs> this is what we're like. You've, if you're listening to this podcast, that you've probably seen it plastered all over Twitter, where uh, Kenny, I think, was like uh, kicking him in the back while he was seated, and he was just getting more and more delighted at like, oh, this fool, what does he think he's doing? But that facial expression is like really over the top but in a way that just really made me fall in love at that moment <laughs> but yeah this was fucking fantastic as we all agree so uh but move, speaking of fantastic the main event 
Kotobushi and Tetsuya Naito. <laughs> Hannah's like doing a little dance in excitement. Abushi beat Naito in 25-09 with the Kamigoe. Kamigoe. Whatever. 5-2. Ruling Bushi to 5-2. Drop Naito to 5-2. Um, but yeah, this was fucking incredible again. Um, first of all, I believe firmly that these two men deserve even more credit for having the match they had here because they had to fucking follow that Kenny. <laughs> yeah. Match. Like, yeah. If they had had, to, if they had tried to go run out there and have a like a you know the same kind of like really fast spot fast type of match, it never would have worked. So you cannot follow that match with that match again. It's just not gonna. They just saw that match and they saw an incredible, you know, this match we all agreed was incredible. So they had to do something completely different. And instead of doing that, they built this matchup, this 25-minute match, and they let it build and build and build, which is Naito's strength anyway. And, you know, I would put it just below the one last year that I also went five stars on. Um, before I even say anything else this match, I went five on this as well. Right. And I liked it very slightly more than Omega and Ishii. Call me a mark for that if you want. You can call me a Naito stan. You can call me whatever you want. But at the end of the day, I love this match. I can't, I'm not going to apologize for it. Um, first of all, Naito like, ducked a high kick and then went into the Tranquilo pose, which was like the spot of the year, I think. Yes. That was just great. Um, the anti-Naito Osaka fans were still really loud, even though he also has like his fair share of fans there now, too. Um, they did just enough light work where... You know, it wasn't so much legwork that it felt like, you know, why is Ibushi able to walk? You know, another one do all these moves, but it's but like it liked a really cool spot where they were like in this leg lock and like slapping each other. That was awesome. Um, you know, I like that someone was finally able to counter that outside in German from Kota Ibushi and the way Naito countered kind of just by like shoving him neck first into the mat was awesome. Um, there were a lot of really ridiculous Naito neck bumps, like there was a half melt from suplex. Uh, around here is where I noted, like, when they got to 15 minutes gone, I was just like, how the fuck is it been 15 minutes already? Which yeah. to me is a huge compliment. If you can fill 15 minutes worth of shit with, and have that 15 minutes, there are some matches where they hit the 15 minute announcement. I'm like, oh my God, it's only been 15 minutes. <laughs> but this one, they, announce, they hit that 15 minute announcement. I'm like, where the fuck did 15 minutes go? And that, and that to me is great. Um, you know, there is a fucking crazy ass Gonzo driver by Naito. Where like he he had that crazy like sex grin on his face like where it kind of looked like Ibushi was blowing him, um, but it was great. And then he then like followed with maybe the most brutal looking Gloria of all time, and oh, he yeah. got this really sadistic grin on his face. It was awesome. Uh, he was a masterful heel in this match. Coda uh, Coda did a, a, his usual incredible job, just selling like he's out. Um, There's like this pop up throw into the corner. We just threw him super high, and he went like face first in the corner. That was awesome. Um, we had our second mouth spot of the night, and then they had a great callback spot. Oh, I, I forgot to mention the Gonzo driver from the first. That someone told me that's actually a callback from their New Japan Cup match in 2015, which I should have remembered mm. because that um, that's one of my favorite fucking matches. But like they that time, Abushi hit the Gonzo driver. And it was kind of like a callback spot for Naito countering at this time. So that was pretty cool. Um, and the other callback spot, Abushi tried the top rope pile driver from Sapporo last year, but Naito like desperately fought out of it. Uh, he went for the super reverse Rana, and Abushi just lands on his feet, gives this amazing look, 
like he's going to murder Naito and it just kills him with the fucking like hardest layer of all time. Um, that spot had to be like so fucking hard to time and they timed it perfectly. So that was awesome. Um, you know, Hushi went back to the inside of German and hit at that time. Naito took like the hardest landing of all time on that. Um, there was this really cool like Kamagoe Destino counter sequence and you know where Bushi kept like holding on to the wrist to go back to the Kamagoe and Naito just kept getting out of it and it hit like his really fast uh, Destino version but didn't get the pin. Uh, Bushi then countered another Destino into like just a head drop. I don't even know what it was. Just like sort of like a Northern Lights bomb maybe but just like we felt really natural, just like dropping right on his head. Um, he did the Nakamura pose this time, like the full-on Nakamura corner pose, and then hit the Bamaye, which is again fucking awesome. Uh, and then right, pretty much right to that, twenty-five minutes gone. Kamakoe, Ibushi won five stars. Uh, the the third best match I've seen this year, right behind the death match and the Romu Kaiji match. I thought this was incredible. Uh, I loved every single second of it. Yeah, I will never love any match as much as you love Ibushi versus Naito matches, I feel like. <laughs> but I did I did really like... I mean, it's by far my match of the tournament. Um, I went four and three quarters on it, which I think puts it with, like, three other matches this year. Um, so... Hey, we'll pick one over uh, <laughs> Goto versus Suzuki from Wrestle Kingdom, uh, which I was there live for. So, of course, I'm going <laughs> to overrate it. I don't care. And then uh, the AAA opener that I think everyone oh, yeah, yeah. on Earth likes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's the only two. Um, but yeah, I thought this match was awesome. I, I like I said, the, the only thing that I maybe w- didn't like a little bit was like you brought up like the legwork that didn't really go anywhere. Like it didn't seem to have a huge purpose. Um, that maybe went like a touch too long. But outside of that, I mean, it's pretty much everything you would want from this type of match. And honestly, I didn't even like their match that last year that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I liked it a lot, but I did not think it was a match of the year level match. I thought this just was an improvement in every way. Uh, you know, it just was even crazier, even faster. I thought the pace was awesome. Like you said, the biggest compliment you can give a match is that like the 10 minutes or the 15 minutes roll by and you're like, man, it felt like it's been five minutes. <laughs> yeah. like, it, it just flew by. And, you know, I've been watching actually this whole tournament with like English commentary. And for this match, I was like, I'm going to Japanese. I just like, I have to get hype. I have oh, to yeah. like, not pay attention to anything else. Just like give me it, like inject it into my blood. And it was like, perfect. Can I say what a nerd I was? I went, I watched, I was watching English too. And I went back and watched both these matches in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to see them both. They're both so good. True. Um, that is <laughs> All right. And I'm going to have to go back and rewatch just the Japanese commentary. Yeah, um, I also gave this five stars. Um, one of my only two five stars of the year so far. And I absolutely loved it. I think that there were a couple of things that you noted, John, that like are both very true and seem contradictory. I think it's a testament to the match of how wonderful it was. Where first you noted that like they couldn't just repeat the same kind of um, you know very super fast mile a minute spot fest that... Um, Ishii and Omega just had. Then he also said that, like, it was so dynamic and and paced so well that, like, it was, you know, where did those 15 minutes go? (laughs) And I think to, like, have a match that, like, 
isn't this sort of like, let's just do this amazing sprint and no sell stuff and do a bunch of wild spots um, and still feel like extremely urgent at all times and, and very sort of, you know, high octane, so to speak. Like that's a, a wild achievement. Yeah. Um, I thought that they both brought out the best in each other. Um, you know, I am like a huge Naito stan. I love like the face version of the Ingobernable Naito character, but he was in prime form just healing it up right here. <laughs> he knew exactly what the audience wanted to see. And it was great when, like, um, you know, they were booing him so hard before the match was starting when he was taking his entrance gear off. <laughs> and you know, they go immediately to cheering for both of them really wild, like, as soon as the match starts. It's just like, okay. Part of that is definitely just the fact that it is in Osaka. You have a lot of Naito haters here. But at the same time, like, I think they were mad at him for, like, delaying this match that they so desperately wanted to see. Great <laughs> tale. Yeah, even like the a couple of things like haven't been working so well throughout this match, and have been like the like the few black marks in my thirties performers. Like I thought that they nailed like Naito's running Destino is kind of a hit or miss, like whether it looks good, and it looked amazing this time. Yeah, um, and yeah, just everything about this match, uh, I was super into it. And even though like you know my favorite lost, um, I had a great time, and I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, that's how I felt at the end. It's like, I know, I, it was that crushing moment when Naito lost, but I was like, that was still incredible. I can't really, like, <laughs> it cannot be a mark here. Same thing I felt after the Kenny one, where I went four and three quarters on that. I was just like, well, the guy I fucking hate one, but it was an incredible match. Um, but yeah, so a really fucking fantastic show. I mean, probably the best show of the tournament. Uh, yeah. It's the only one that yeah. comes, and it has to be for me. I have two five-star matches and a four and a quarter. The only one that would come close is the uh, the second night for me, where I, I went four and three quarters on uh, Ibushi, Saber, and Naito Omega. But yeah, this was the best show of the tournament, and you know Osaka comes through as everybody expected. Yeah, um, I mean Naito matches in Osaka. That's pretty much like the surest bet you're gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, the Thank the you. level of heat he has is just like, I, I mean, when I first fell in love with Naito, or at least like the post you know post mexico version of him i did like stardust genius but the you know when he is like stepping in like the g1 after he came back he's like stepping on tanahashi's head doing the pose and he's like a legitimate heel this feel, felt like such a throwback to that yeah. and it was like the perfect like osaka crowd totally showed up for this yeah and i mean naito has been you know just an incredible g1 i mean obviously i'm not the most unbiased observer but I think, I mean, my lowest rated match, lowest rated match for him is Talentanga at three and a half, which is my highest rated match for Talentanga. So I think Naito's been just incredible in this two one. Um, it, it, it's a grim break too because obviously people, there, I don't want to say there was a backlash with like some New Japan fans, but there was that that morning after he had that fucking that Suzuki match, the like, Twitter was just insufferable with people being like, "If Naito's going to have performances like that, New Japan was right not to." give him the belt, and I was just like, it was one fucking match. Like, can we chill a little bit? But, um, you know, just watching him come back and just, like, you know, destroy it in this G1, like, I have not seen, you know, even people that I normally put, not as NATO haters, but, like, NATO skeptics, maybe, (laughs) like, have not, have been, like, universally praising his G1, so I think it's been very satisfying watching him 
came it up from the G1. Uh, okay, so the final show we're going to talk about here, and we should try to get through it pretty quick. So we're already almost two hours in. The A Block. The A Block show in Osaka. It opened up with Yoshihashi beating Bad Luck Fale in 831 by 2 uh, Yoshi went to 2 and 6, and Fale fell to 3 and 5. Uh, this one I have a ton to say about. I It was boring early. It was very similar to Fale Elgin, where Boring early. I liked Yoshi's comeback. I thought he was, you know, exciting as the little underdog here. And I, I'm kind of a mark for a big versus little match. So I was into it for, to a degree. The Tamar ran up the BQ. So I went two and three quarters, which I think is my highest rated five match, actually. So nice. it, it was fine. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, Yoshi's a good seller. He's a good underdog. Um, this, like, might be the best use for him. You know, kind of counterintuitively uh, sticking him against somebody as bad as Fale, but um, yeah, it was definitely like not nearly as bad as it could have been. Uh, since we want to go quick, this is my only dud of the tournament, so let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Right. Well, everything we just said is wrong, says Skyler. Uh, yeah, we'll fight it out. Next was Hangman Page and Minoru Suzuki. Uh, Page won in 1205 with the Rite of Passage. Moved him to three and five, and Suzuki fell to four and four. Um, I love this match a lot. This was my match of the night. Um, I thought it was one of those matches where going in, I had no idea what it was going to be, and it turned out to be a really good match. I thought, um, you know, he the way he just like immediately jumped Suzuki was really cool. That's not a strategy anyone else ever tries against him. So I thought that was cool. Uh, he did a really cool moonsault off the stage. You know, Suzuki like lost his mind at that point and started like attacking. Page with the barricades and the chairs on the floor. Um, and then Suzuki, like, there was also a great moment where Suzuki took, like, this wacky, like, deadlift fucking move. I don't even know what it was. Like a power slam or something. And he Yeah, got it's up... a deadlift bridging follow slam. Thank you. <laughs> had it coming through with the move names. Um, but then he immediately gets up with this look on his face, like, you motherfucker, you gave me a fucking wacky US indie fucking move. I'm Minoru Suzuki. And, like, that's when he, like, really went crazy with the strikes and, you know, started yelling, come on, boy. Come on, fucking boy. Which is great. <laughs> and Paige, at that point, spit in Minoru Suzuki's face, which I'm convinced he did not tell me he was going to do that because Suzuki had a reaction like, you little piece of shit. And, like, started hitting him much harder after that. <laughs> and it was fucking great. Um... I love that Suzuki finally just ducked that stupid buckshot lariat. Oh, he did get hit by it right after anyway. And the finish was awesome, where Suzuki put him in the, the choke sleeper, gets him ready for the um, for the uh, God-style power driver, and Paige just happens to have the perfect counter to that. Like, the right of passage is the perfect counter to the cradle pile driver, and he just happened to have it in his back pocket, busted it out, hit the move, and won the match. So it was my favorite finish of the entire tournament, honestly. Uh, I went four and a quarter on this. I loved it. I really thought this match was awesome. And a a great little undercard uh, stunner for me, how much I like this match. And, you know, but these are two guys I liked a lot in this G1, so. Yeah, not to be a downer again. I did, I went three stars on this. I did, I would say I enjoyed it. But sort of working backwards, I do think this is probably the best, in terms of like a shock perspective, probably the best finish of the entire tournament. Um, just like the pop, like I, I definitely popped for it. I thought it was just like really, really surprising and like totally worked from like the way the match was built and stuff. 
And also, I've been a, I've been very lucky to watch like ninety percent of these matches unspoiled, which has not been yeah, the case too, for me in the past. Yeah, yeah I, I, I've been a lot more on top of it this year, which has helped a lot. Um, and I, I, I think a lot of the stuff like he's saying of Suzuki, just like calling him like a young boy, <laughs> just like slapping him, like that. That was great. The pr- only problem I have with this match really is the start because uh, Anna Page like attacks him from the belt, which is great. Then he goes after El Desperado, which first of all, it's uncalled for. Yeah, Despy <laughs> hasn't been doing anything. He hasn't been doing anything. Despy did nothing wrong. Yeah. First of all, save Despy, free Despy. Don't, don't, you know, uh, that was extremely rude. And um, so the, the brawling for me just like didn't totally work. Maybe it's because Suzuki just like wasn't really selling at all. So a lot of it was just like Hangman Page like punching him repeatedly in the face and Minoru Suzuki just like casually strolling to the entrance ramp. Mm-hmm. And once they got to the ramp, uh, I actually thought he was going to do like a shoulder block off of the ramp, which would have been awesome too. Um, but it, it him going back, him like putting them in that little corner of the ramp and punching them like twice each and then running back up the ramp and then back all the way up to the place where he's going to like do the backflip. It took like a little bit long for me. It like took me out of the match at first. So it's, you know, it sort of speaks to how much I liked the second half of the match that I like wound up enjoying it overall, just because that first sequence didn't totally click for me. Yeah. I pretty much split the difference between you guys. Uh, Love the back half. Um, But like, you know, to Scott's point, I think the big thing that Paige needs to really put it together is to have signature offense that doesn't take a million years to set up. Um, I didn't really like that moonsault off of the the ramp, um, you know, for how long it took to set up and how much it required, uh, you know, Suzuki and Despy to be, like, standing there to hit stun animation. Um, I don't like his (laughs) moonsault set outside in general. I don't like his, um, you know, shooting star press headbutt to the outside. I don't like the buckshot lariat. And thus, it's wild that, like, with as many spots of his that I find, like, really corny and take me out of it, I still like this match as much as I did. It's three and three quarters for me. Um, I think he's got, like, great fire, great intensity. He does really well when he's just, like, a guy who, um, you know, gets in these vicious strike exchanges and, and hits out these valiant underdog babyface moves. Yeah. I, so uh, we've we got a range of opinions here, but a whole range for you to choose from, folks. Uh, then we got the third match here, Jay White beating Togi Makabe in 10-22 with the Blade Runner. I uh, moved Jay to 6-2 and two and dropped Togi, Togi to 2-6. and six. Um, This was like another no clue what this will be match, but it didn't turn out to be very good for me anyway. I thought it was very by the numbers. Um, not even really a creative Jay White cheating finish. He just kind of like pulled the ref in the way. He can kind of drop in like a dull way and gave him a very weak chair shot that you know, God bless the cop, we're getting his hands up. The real moneymaker is that sweets taste in mouth right now for him. So <laughs> he's got to protect it. But, yeah, I just didn't, it wasn't a good match at all. I went two stars, and it might even be generous. I just didn't like it. Yeah. I think that with Jay, like, he really either needs some kind of uh, baby face that can convincingly play an underdog and that he can absolutely bully and screw over. Or I think he does great in those heel versus heel matches where he's out of his depth and being like, wait a minute, this person can fight as dirty as I can. Like, what do I do now? White Suzuki is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this really wasn't either of them. Like, Makabe isn't going to be much of an underdog, and he, you know, is a 
a straight shooter. So not much to, to work with there. And uh, yeah, I think I went like two and a half or two and a quarter on it. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much the same boat as you guys. But, I mean, this is a late period G1 matches. And, I, I, you know, in my opinion, probably, like, the one of the worst things that New Japan does is that they just have a lot of, you know, in these, like, big long tournaments, there just can be a lot of this type of match where it's just, like, nothing really there, nothing going on, neither character is really, you know, you're neither rooting for nor against them. It's just, you know, a lot of those, like, just-a-match type matches, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Semi-main event, Tanahashi beat Michael Elgin in 16 up here with a small package. He went to 7-1, and one and Elgin fell 3-5. and five. Uh, I really hated this a lot. Um, <laughs> first of all, the Elgin was just kind of, like, slowly tossing him around early in a not-very-interesting-at-all manner. Uh, the Osaka crowd was very quiet for this early as quiet as I can remember them being for a Tanahashi match. Um, you know, and then there was a really, one of the worst spots in the entire tournament where Elgin, um, you know, he had Tana, Tanahashi had him in, like, clover release, I think, and Elgin, like, was supposed to push him off of his, his leg string, and Tanahashi was supposed to go, like, flying all the way over the top rope. The problem was he barely moved him at all with his legs, so Elgin, like, Tanahashi, Elgin, like, sort of pushed him off, Tanahashi sort of moved a little bit, and they had to take like this big giant leap over the top rope, <laughs> and it looked so fucking terrible. And I was like, "Oh my god, it looks like something from like a fucking like 2003 Divas match or something." Like it was really not good, um, you know, or like first day of wrestling training school. I don't know. It was really one of the worst spots of the tournament. Uh, to be fair, the crowd got into it down the stretch, so I should note that. So I know they were quiet earlier. Um, the Elgin rolling through a crossbody spot was kind of cool. That was the only spot the match ever described as cool. And just as I was getting into it a little bit, they completely botched the finish. Like one of the worst botches of the tournament. And I was praying to God, like when that, that asset was playing out. So Elgin had him up in like a spiral power bomb, and Tanahashi was supposed to roll him up into a cradle, but they basically just, Elgin basically just dropped him. And Tanahashi had to like reach back and like be like, let's get to this cradle now. Again, I'm pantomiming for my audience of one here. It's very <laughs> entertaining. You guys are missing out. And had to like, you know, very like slowly, like and awkwardly roll them up. One of the worst looking things. I was just praying that wasn't finished, and it was the finish. So the way I figured it, it's like if you have a really boring match with two of the worst spots in the tournament and you know, a good, a really good closing stretch, but that gets blown. Like, if the only good thing you're part of your match is going to be a really good closing stretch, you cannot blow a fucking the final spot that that badly. So I went one and three quarter stars. I really hated this match. Uh, yeah, this is you know, th- this show, this A block show in particular, is just like one of those shows. Where it's just, you know, maybe it's not the worst show ever. Like, it's not just five terrible matches in a row, but it's just, like, nothing that inspires any sort of emotion in me at all, other than just, like, my eyes glazing over. Also, yeah. it's because I watched, like, five shows in a row to catch up. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, like, so ready to watch something else, like, watch Lucha. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, some of maybe the finishing stretch is, like, a little fun, but, like I said, the botches were just so like you know way bigger than like the slight uh miscues that some other matches had like they were big and obvious and dumb and 
I can live with botches more than a lot of people, but that big obvious stuff that really takes you out of match is just sort of puts, uh, yeah, puts like a two and a half star cap on anything you're going to do after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, like, there's really not much to add. Like we've been saying, this is in Tanahashi, a guy who's been having kind of like a, a lower key tournament than many were hoping for him. And an Elgin, like a guy who's just really tedious to get through his stuff. Um, and it just didn't work out so well. Uh, all right, so the main event, Okada and Evil. Okada won, won in 18-27 with the Rainmaker, moved to the 6-2 and two and dropped even a 4-4. Four and four. Um, So why don't you start, Hannah, because I feel like you've gone last a couple times. Yeah, sure. Um, I enjoyed this match. Uh, I think I, I might be enjoying it more than other people did. Um, I definitely thought that these two had like a, a lot to live up to from last year, where it was like a kind of a sleeper hit like not a lot of people were expecting uh for evil to have this like runaway match and it wasn't as good as that year's but um i still had a lot of fun i think that um you know one of the main things uh, everybody knows about okada is that he's a man who loves his elaborate finisher reversal sequences and i think that evil is like a really fun foil for those and them like you know trading uh hitting each other's finishers and it's the kind of cute that I like where, you know, it's guys who are being cocky and, you know, uh, showboaty in character trying to make these statements and maybe kind of getting punished for it. Um, so I had a fun time with it. Um, it was very much like a two guys getting their shit in tight match, but I like both of the shit that they get in. <laughs> so I had a great time. Um, yeah, I was a little bit lower. I, to, to me, it was like right between those two matches last year where the G1 match I thought was fantastic. I think I went four and a quarter, four and a half on it. And the King of Pro Wrestling match I thought was a total dud. Like, you know, not literally a dud, but like two and a quarter, which was, you know, very bad for a um, sumo hall main event. But this was good ish. Um, very early on, it was Rest Hold City, which is a problem I've had a lot of evil matches in this G1, honestly. Uh, I picked up after that. Uh, there was a cool spot where, you know, Evil did like a, he like did a neckbreaker on Okada off the apron into the guardrail, like it could decapitate him. So that was pretty cool. Um, I didn't really like the Okada shotgun drop kick on the on the ramp. I thought was pretty weak. Um, but yeah, and then the, the so the end. You kind of talked about how you like that. To me, that to me is the the opposite of. <laughs> I guess I'd just say the opposite of what I like. It's what I dislike. <laughs> um, I don't really like that, like, two cute by half, like, 10,000-year-long reversal sequence. Like, it, it felt reminded me a lot of Okada and Carl Anderson. When they used to do that a lot when Carl Anderson was a thing. Um, when they would go for the Rainmaker and the Gunstone over and over again. And, you know, it just feels after a while like they're dancing and not really wrestling. It's just not really my thing. Um, so, you know, if I, I just, it went too long for me, that whole ending sequence. Um, I did like that Evil hit the Rainmaker. Uh, I definitely noted that he cannot call it the Black Rain because that's just make everybody think of Gold Dust and the Rat and TNI. So, uh, but yeah, this is three and a quarter is what I would give this. There's some good stuff, a lot of boredom, and the finishing sequence was, you know, too cute for my liking personally. Uh, just cute enough for Hannah, too cute for me. Yeah, it was a little, it was a little too sweet for my blood as well. <laughs> Just, um, and th- this is one of my 
I think one of the issues I have with evil is that he uh, can put together compelling sequences. I mean, look at the beginning of this match, they are just having like a bomb fest. And then once they get into like the meat of the match where they're like on this rap rant sequence, it's not, it didn't totally work for me. And then the finishing stretch is just like, you know, <laughs> what do you want me to do with this? <laughs> it's just, it's just like repeat, the English commentary is really fun. Just be like, everything is, oh, Raymond, oh, everything. Is, like, it's, just, <laughs> it, it, it's literally like a, it's like a game is like glitching. <laughs> or it's just like, I just don't understand what the, really the appeal is of that. And to my mind, that's like, you know, one of the biggest faults with like, um, some of like the new Japan main event scenes, just those super repeated uh, near falls and near finisher trades, I guess. Yeah, it, it can really work for me sometimes. And like, um, you know, Okada Naito from the Dome would be one where it worked for me. But sometimes when it doesn't work, it really does not work. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. All right. So overall, not the best show for me personally. I, I really looked uh, other than. Like Paige Suzuki was the only thing that I would say was like the audio way to watch for me. I think a lot of people probably will enjoy Okada Evil more than I did. So, you know, like Hannah did for sure. So, you know, if you're more like Hannah than me, I guess, then you should probably watch that too. If you're really cute, for example. <laughs> really cute. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Can I just say it? No. <laughs> the, but yeah, the uh, good show, not great, not the worst or anything, but. Probably disappointing for an Osaka show, honestly. But mm-hmm. We'll see what the what the A block has in store at the Budokan. So I'm not going to go into all the scenarios for who's going to win the G1 because every other podcast is doing that probably. And when you listen to this, the the B block show would have all in Yokohama would have already happened. Pretty much all you need to know is uh, it's going to be either Okada, Tanahashi, and White in the A block, uh, either Naito, Abushi, or Kenny in the B block, and Naito could be eliminated by the time you hear this. If all of us are wrong, I no. know. <laughs> I was afraid my hand like slowly put her hands to her head and like <laughs> I wasn't sure she was gonna say anything and then all of a sudden she just went out that no. But yeah, so it's one of those three against one of those three, basically. We'll know mm-hmm. we'll know more soon. Um let's get into the match rankings, because that's exciting. Um I have like a whole spreadsheet here of every single match in the tournament. Before I give the top ten, I thought it might be fun to give the bottom ten. So uh, let me give my worst ten matches of the G1. My very least favorite match of the G1 was Tamatanga and Juice Robinson from the Oda Gymnasium, July 15th. I gave that a dud. Uh, my only other dud, Bad Luck Folly and Jay White from Hamamatsu. I gave that a dud as well. Uh, third worst, Omega and Tamatanga from Korokan. I gave that a quarter star. Saber Tama from Nagoya. I gave that a quarter star. Fale Makabe from Takamatsu gets the big quarter star. Uh, so those are my worst five. And then Tama and Ishii from Kagoshiba got a half star. Evil Fale from Hachiyoji got three quarters of a star. Tanahashi and Fale from Koraki got one whole star. And Suzuki, El- Suzuki Elgin from Takamatsu got a star. And Paige and Fale from Oda Gym got a star and a half. So those are my worst ten matches. A lot of Bullet Club OG there, as you probably would have Yep. Uh, I don't have a list of 10 ready, uh, but I will say that my worst match was 
Fale versus Makabe. <laughs> um, I think that like Makabe is really somebody in a sermon who lives or dies on whether it's fun to see him lariat people. Yeah. And Fale just like has so little range of motion that like Makabe's lariats look like very weak against him. And they should not look weak because he's a fun lariat guy. Yeah. Um, so that match was just like an absolute dub for me. Uh, just the fact that I have to watch nine Yoshihashi man singles man <laughs> in like a month long span. First of all, it's basically a war crime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.